If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Good evening and welcome to Troubled Minds Radio. I'm your host, Michael Strange. And this is a show where we talk about all the things you're not allowed to talk about. Of course, that would be aliens, conspiracy, the paranormal, the 24-hour news cycle, the government, academia, and everything in between. Tonight, we have a very special show with a very special guest. We're here to talk about Bigfoot. You guys ever heard of him? <laughs> I have. And uh, this type of thing is a lot of fun. So we're here tonight with W.J. Sheehan from Terror in the Woods. Bigfoot Terror in the Woods. And I'm excited to get going with this. So uh, let's, let's kill this music. I think we're live. I don't see anybody... Uh, Blasting me, saying I screwed this up yet, so we're good. Uh, we are live on the Fringe FM, where you're streaming on YouTube, we're streaming on Facebook. If you guys want to be part of that, you can go to troubledminds.org, that's the official website. And that's what we do. We talk about all this and more, and uh, that's what the show's about, that's what the show's always been about. We do this live to include you, but uh, tonight, we, since we have a guest, we will not have phone lines open, because we've got something even better. We've got Bigfoot stories to tell, don't we? Uh, welcome to the show, uh, W, uh, I messed it up, W.J. Sheehan. How you doing? How you doing tonight? <laughs> Very good, my friend. Good to be here with you and your listening audience. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, like I said, uh, first first thing, first time me here being on the Fringe FM tonight. Uh, like I said, uh, with the guys on the on the stream, uh, bear with me. Uh, just make sure that uh, Joe's out there watching me, making sure I don't screw this up. But I think we're going to be okay because we're just talking Bigfoot, right? I mean, let's be real here. <laughs> How could you mess up such a topic as Bigfoot? Exactly right. Exactly. Uh, okay. <laughs> 
so uh, let, let, let's start with you then. Let's go. Let's go. So I, I'm looking at your website here, which I'll put up on the stream, guys, if you want to check it out. Uh, this is uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. And uh, I was looking through this, and you have a ton, a ton of Bigfoot stories. You do a podcast. You write, uh, you've written uh, eight books, as far as I'm aware, and ninth on the way, I think you said. Uh, there's That's there's correct. a lot of, yeah, okay. So there's a lot of this. Um, wh- what got you interested uh, in Bigfoot, and uh, where did this all start for you? Well, I always had an interest in uh, the creature, um, as many people probably do or did, uh, having seen uh, uh, early on the Patterson-Gimlin film and uh, Leonard Nimoy's uh, shtick uh, in the 70s in search of, and, uh, you know, now the explosion of the Internet uh, the stuff that's available to spark the imagination is uh, incredible as far as Bigfoot is concerned, UFOs. I mean, just pick the topic. And uh, so I decided I've always been a bit of a writer, and I decided to start gathering some evidence and some testimonials. One thing led to another, and <laughs> here I am uh <laughs> Uh, eight books in, audio books at Audible, uh, podcast with my brother now going on two years. And uh, who would have thunk such a thing was possible? Yeah, yeah, but, it's, it's it's weird how it how it how it kind of starts, right? And you're like, ah, oh, let's this is this is a curiosity. Let's put a bunch of stuff together. And here you are, years later, you got a website, you got books, you got podcasts. You're on weird radio stations in the middle of the night. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I had, you know, uh, I'm in my 60s, Mike, and uh, I had some younger people uh, in the hospital. In particular, I made the acquaintance of one uh, ICR nurse who turned me on to his wife, who was a uh, stay-at-home mom now, but had an extensive graphic arts history. And, um, boy, it was just meant to be. I hooked up with her with my book covers and uh, artwork and construction of the books. And uh, the pieces just fell into place. And then they, even they said back then, oh, you're going to want to do audio books. And you're, you're definitely going to want to do a podcast. And I was like, people, slow down. <laughs> it, uh, it but definitely- they were right. Yeah, yeah, they're right. That's the best way to do it. Like, uh, you know, uh, people can do, you, you can't read a book and take a walk at the same time, typically, right? You got to, you know, watch out yeah. for cars and things like this. But you just put the headphones and go for a walk. So, I mean, audio is the best format, in my opinion. You know, you can do some gardening, you can go for a walk, you can do all kinds of goofy stuff and, and do two things at once and listen to some amazing Bigfoot stories. Am I right? That's true. But remember, Mike, with the headphones on, you are a potential bait for a hidden Bigfoot in the shrubbery. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, think, I think that's sound advice. Uh, have, you, have you ever actually hit a Bigfoot yourself, uh, actually, by, by not paying attention? <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. I'm pretty uh, I'm sh- sharper than your average bear, I would have to say. And uh, I don't, uh, you know, the way I live my life, uh, I'm not going to, I don't believe I'd ever run into these things accidentally or unprepared. Uh, if at the end of my podcast, I always leave with the tagline, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. And uh, I mean it. 
<laughs> amen, amen to that, brother. Uh, hashtag America. If anybody's out there inter- listening internationally, yeah, us Americans love our guns. That's for sure. And, and I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. Some some of these places that uh, you know are hot spots for big the Bigfoot, the Big Feet, Sasquatch. I'm not sure which term you prefer there, but uh, they. Uh, you never know, man. You never know. You get out there in the middle of nowhere, and I've seen some footage that's um, uh, compelling, to say the least, right? I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll eventually get to Patterson-Gimlin in that, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot here. So so let's go back to that first question there. What, what do you prefer, being the, being the expert here? Uh, do you prefer to call them Bigfoot? Do you think that's like a, a bad term? Is it Sasquatch or something else entirely? Oh, either or. I use the term Bigfoot, plural or singular, just like deer and deer, you know. Uh, and Sasquatch, of course, is a native, but there's a lot of names being bantered about. Uh, but uh, for myself, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, I kind of flip between the two. I don't know why. Uh, but uh, I also am getting back to the uh, always carrying more gun with you. I'm continually set back by the people who march around in the woods with flashlights and infrared, uh, hoping for a close-up uh, with a hairy man. I don't quite understand that, and I don't even think it's understandable, to be honest with you. Uh, you would never catch me in the woods uh, skulking about in the dark, uh, calling in a Bigfoot to where I'm standing. No, that's that's uh, just, terrible. There's, there's been incidents too where where you know they they reported a Bigfoot and uh, they went out looking for him with guns, of course, right? Because you're not going to go with a stick to, to go find a Bigfoot, and it's some knucklehead in the woods putting up signs in a Bigfoot suit or something like this. It's like, come on, people, you're going to get shot. <laughs> what, yeah, what is this? Yeah, you are going to get shot, uh, and you know. Uh, I my belief is that the Bigfoot is. Uh, uh, of course, an animal. I don't believe this thing is any human uh, knockoff. Uh, I think it's an animal, and as an animal, they're predatory. Uh, to, to me, you know, Leonard Nimoy said, uh, Leonard Nimoy, um, I, I just drew a blank by saying Leonard Nimoy, but a, uh, a relatively well-known scientist said a while ago that uh uh, fantastic claims or uh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary amounts of evidence. Uh, I believe we have surpassed the evidence necessary uh, without the help of the scientific community, so to speak, that this creature exists. Now, I said that because getting back to uh, them being a predator, the amount of claims that come through of uh, missing persons, bodies being found with limbs torn off, uh, bones found in the woods that no other animals have predated upon, uh, there's something going on here with this creature uh, that even the animals in the woods don't want anything to do with. Uh, I think they'll eat berries, fruit, and I think they'll eat you. Uh, if they're hungry enough and you happen to be uh, on the menu uh, when they run across you. Yeah, I think for sure. I, th- I mean, you know, just like a bear, you got to consider them like a like a grizzly, Kodiak bear type of situation. If if you yeah. run into that, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not one to go uh, like I said deep into the forest looking for these things. So you you, you don't have to worry about me. You're you're cool, WJ. I'm safe, man. I'm not, I'm not going to be doing this. But okay, so so uh, you, you've written you've written eight books now, and you said that um, uh, you have a ton of stories, and you got some stories you could tell us, eh? Oh, I have. Uh 
You know, I always wrestle uh, when I talk about stories. I have a couple of favorites, uh, and I don't know why. I mean, they just struck a nerve with me uh, doing the interviews and then writing them out. Uh, but I have so many uh, fantastic tales coming in from people, and I continue to accumulate them. Uh, so, you know, I'm at the point now where I believe that more than likely uh, the amount of people who have had some type of encounter, and that could be just seeing one uh, briefly, uh, the howling, uh, footprints found on the property, I believe it could very well be in the millions of people in North America. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. Uh, you know, doing doing this, uh, we, you know, weirdo nighttime radio type stuff that I've been doing for a while now, you mm-hmm. you end up uh, looking into some of these stories. And there's a, lo- there's a lot of uh, uh, parallels, too, with like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of um, David Politis and his uh, Missing 411 series. Have you heard of that at all? I'm well familiar with David and uh, I concur. I always thought when I first started hearing David speak, and you know he had that way about him where he wouldn't label what it was he was getting at. And I always thought he was inferring that Bigfoot was the culprit. And uh, I have uh, many, many stories, uh, missing people, bodies found. Uh, You're never going to find these in the news. They're never going to make it to the news. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a serial killer, right? Something happens. Nobody's letting on about the evidence they're finding. They don't want to freak out the public. And they're uncertain as to actually who is doing the killing. So, but this is going on. You know, people are missing. There are people missing who go out. There are people walking in line with other hikers and the last man gets nabbed and nobody knows what happened to them. So, uh, you know, what is that? I don't know, but I got my own theory that there's a, a big furry guy that probably <laughs> is responsible. Yeah. The weird, so the, the, the weird thing about those, uh, the, the David Pilates and the missing 411 is that um, you're right. He, he very much kind of hints that this could be the case. It could be some sort of, a, you know, a, a large hominid predator, right? But you, you'll never hear him say it. Because the second it comes out of your mouth, you, you join join the crew with the rest of us. You know what I mean? You're, you're the, the unsavories on the other side of the hill. Yeah, that's what you become once you say the, the, the magic word Sasquatch or Bigfoot. So he's, you know, the, guy, the guy's, you know, he's basically a, uh, an investigator. And so he does a, a bunch of great work actually going out and trying to find these missing people, right? And, and telling their stories. So I, I can understand where he may be, uh, you know, kind of a... A believer in that uh, the existence of a Bigfoot or something like this. Like I said, he never he's he's never said it. I, I've watched a lot of his videos. He's on YouTube. If you guys want to check it out, great stuff. But I mean, it, I don't blame him that it doesn't come out of his mouth because then people will use it to discredit everything else he does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, everybody's entitled to do what the, what it is they want to do. I mean, uh, to me, I'm more or less the captain of a pirate vessel, and I do whatever I want to do. So <laughs> I'm not afraid uh, to bear the brunt of criticism. I start conversations with uh, just about anybody, and you'd be amazed uh, the amount of evidence and uh, sharing of findings uh, 
that I have uncovered through the years, just opening up the door of conversation about Bigfoot, and then people start jabbering. So uh, I had a, a, a guard in the hospital, a new guard. Uh, he was alone at his post one night. The place was very quiet. I decided to stop by. I had five minutes. Uh, introduced myself. Hey, how you doing? And we got to talking. It took me all of about 30 seconds to tell him that I write a lot of books on Bigfoot and I have a podcast. And he said, oh, you believe in Bigfoot? And I said, absolutely. He pulls out his iPhone and shows me a picture of a guy's hand laying next to a huge track in the Adirondacks. And he said to me, this is my brother deer hunting, and this is a Bigfoot track he took a picture of when he was hunting. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, uh, and that's and that's the thing. Like you said, there's a ton of information out there like that. I mean, that's evidence. That's direct evidence. And so yeah. there's a ton of people that have it, you know, maybe on their phone like this. It might be like their family stories. They sit around the fire and, you know, yuck it up and tell Bigfoot stories. Oh, you remember that time we had the, the picture of the, 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 you know what I mean? But, but man, yeah. there's a ton of evidence out there that hasn't even surfaced yet. So what oh, you're doing, ridiculous. yeah, it's ridiculous. So you're, you're collecting this evidence is what's happening. So as you get the word out and pe more people learn about you and what you're doing, they contact you with these type of stories, right? Well, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, not that I discount anything I'm told. It's all grist for the mill. Uh, but I tell people all the time, uh, don't think that what you've seen or what you're reporting is too small or insignificant in any way. Because you are just adding fuel to the fire. Uh, they don't know how many people that I've spoken to that uh, uh, confirm what it is they had happened. So there's patterns here. Uh, there's a historicity to the creature going back hundreds of years that we know about. Uh, things they do, places they are, uh, uh, their they're, uh, uh, they're wanting to take advantage of whatever's in their area, be it fruit, wildlife, vegetables, and if you believe what I'm saying, occasionally a human being. So, you know, this, this stuff is going on for a long time, and plenty, plenty of people are uh, on the believer's side of the fence. Uh, most of them just don't want to open their mouth and say anything about it. Yeah, well, again, like I said, then you end up in the batch of unsavories and you end up doing late night talk radio. <laughs> I mean, what can you say? What can you say? You're, you're, Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say I'd rather be doing the late night talk radio. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. At least at least in, in some capacity, we're allowed to be kids again, right, with our imagination. And there's something to be said for that. I think that was an Einstein quote, right? Something uh, something to that effect. Um, okay, so so let's see. Where are we at time-wise? I think we're good. So we got maybe about, uh, say, seven minutes or so. You have a, a quick one you want to tell before we take a break here, and then we'll come back after that? Well, we could give this a whirl and see where we go. Okay, let's do that. So uh, in lieu of the fact that we're talking about uh, creatures being found or, or, or people are wondering where, where is the evidence, let me run this by you. Uh, when people say that a body hasn't been found pertaining to Bigfoot, it's not necessarily the truth, as you may well expect. This particular account came to my attention from Wilfredo and Helena Gomez, a couple living in the state of Massachusetts at the time of this incident. 
This is Wilfredo. My wife and I were returning home on the interstate one night in December '09. In the distance, as we were coming up a grade, we saw a semi on the shoulder with its flashers on. As we got closer, there was quite a bit of blood on the pavement and some pieces of debris from the truck, like broken lenses and a mirror laying in the road. We were driving quite slowly as we were approaching the truck and had noticed something on the shoulder which we believed to be a bear or a moose. Suffice to say, it was something very large and appeared, and it appeared that it had collided with the truck up ahead. We pulled up on the truck and got out. Walking over to the cab, we saw the driver was still inside. I grabbed the side rail and jumped up on the fuel tank to check on him. He was sitting in the seat with his head in his hands still behind the wheel. I tapped on the window and asked him if he was all right. It took him a few seconds to respond and he rolled the window down. I could see that he was in shock and he didn't answer right away. About a minute later, while I was telling my wife to call the police, he said to me, I just crashed into a damn Bigfoot that was running across the road back there chasing a doe. I said to him, you hit a what? He repeated himself, saying that he had just demolished the front of his truck hitting a Bigfoot that was crossing the highway. I climbed down from the cab and walked to the front of the truck. The lights were still on, and the entire grill, front bumper, and hood was buckled inward. The left front fender and headlamp were demolished, and the truck was leaking water from what appeared to be the radiator. Ten minutes later, when a trooper came roaring down the highway, and an ambulance soon followed. At this time, the driver still had not come out of the cab. He was sitting there in silence, holding his head in his hands. As the trooper drove up, we told him briefly what we knew, and he jumped up to talk to the man. Moments later, a second ambulance came to the scene, as well as another trooper. The driver was now down and out of the truck talking. About 300 feet behind the truck, the animal was on the side of the road. My wife, Helena, stayed by our car while one of the troopers and I started to walk back to it. He had his gun drawn and told me to stay behind him. He said if the animal is still alive, it may jump up and try to hurt us. The trooper had a powerful flashlight with an expandable beam. I was walking maybe 15 feet behind him as we approached. As soon as the light hit it, I saw the blackened face of a gorilla-type creature with blood pouring out of its mouth. I actually saw one of its eyes blink and its hand move slightly. I knew immediately that this was no moose or anything else that is known to be in these woods. It was exactly as the driver had said. I had crashed. He had crashed into a Bigfoot with his truck. The trooper told me to go back and stand by the truck, and as soon as I reached the truck, he fired three rounds at point-blank range into the creature to put him down. A few minutes later, he took a report as to what the driver said to us. We overheard as well what the driver was saying to the ambulance crew and the other trooper. He said he was fairly certain he was going to hit the deer and was trying all evasive measures in a short period of time not to do so, saying that the trailer brakes locked up and the trailer began to swing wide when all of a sudden the Bigfoot was now squarely in front of the truck and unavoidable. He said when he hit the beast, he wasn't wearing his seatbelt and the impact caused him to fly forward, smashing the windshield with his head, 
which explained to me why he was sitting there in a daze holding his head. But thank God he wasn't cut or bleeding. As we were leaving, the ambulance crew was putting the man in the back of their vehicle, and Helena and I took off. Do we have a minute or two to finish this? Uh, we do, about a minute, minute or so. So this is Helena. I was asking Wilfredo what he had seen because I stayed in the car. I saw the trooper fire the shots and had only heard the conversations. Wilfredo told me it was a Bigfoot and it was still alive but badly bleeding, which was why the trooper had decided to shoot him. I said to Wilfredo that I couldn't wait to hear what the news reports would have to say about it the following day, but when the morning had come, there was nothing. We sat by the TV all day, waiting and waiting, and nothing was said. The next day, Wilfredo actually called the local news station and inquired about not hearing the story. And they said they knew nothing about any such story and asked Wilfredo what he had seen. Wilfredo spent many minutes on the phone with them, recounting the entire story. And the next day, again, nothing was heard or said on the news and nothing was in the papers the entire week. And she said, we both know what we had seen and heard, and yet not a word was spoken about it. We thought that surely there would be great interest in such a story, but it was never told. Figure that out. What do you think? <laughs> Figure that out. That's, that's crazy. That's uh, somebody hitting Bigfoot with a truck, guys. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> We don't. Yeah. Have to, I'd love to hear those stories if anybody has any any kind of stories like that uh, when we have the phone lines next time. But uh, as of right now, we're here with uh, with W J Sheehan from uh, Bigfoot, the Terror in the Woods podcast, and we're talking Bigfoot. We're telling Bigfoot stories. Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah, that's what's going on tonight. So, uh, <laughs> so as as we finish, hang tight. There's more. Uh, you're listening to the French FM. I'm Michael Strange. This is Troubled Minds. We're here with W J Sheehan once again, author of Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, and we will be right back. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. 
They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome back to Troubled Minds. I'm your host, Michael Strange. I am here with W.J. Sheehan of Bigfoot Terror in the Woods. And I know why you're here. You're waiting for more Bigfoot stories. <laughs> well, you're in luck. You're, you're in the right place because that's what we're going to do tonight. That's what's on deck. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that was, a, that was a doozy just before the break there. We had... Uh, a Bigfoot gets hit by a truck. We've got all kinds of people interested in uh, the story here. We have uh, a trooper show up and uh, all kinds of different things. And for some reason, uh, this uh, this escapes actual reports, newspaper reports, mainstream reports, whatever it happens to be. Right? Yeah. Yeah. There's no. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, for whatever reason, uh, there's a host of subject matter that escapes or isn't allowed to be printed or reported on by the powers that be in our media system. Now, my wife is from Central America. Uh, we watch a lot of uh, Spanish uh, television, and uh, the folks down there have no problem airing footage, footage, interviews, and commentary on everything and anything from uh, UFOs, Chupacabra, Bigfoot, witchcraft, flying humanoids, you name it, they will put the piece on their news broadcast. And for some reason, uh, we are not uh, allowed to view such things in our great country. You go figure that one out. Yeah, the, the, weird you say that because uh, I, I have seen some some really bizarre news reports from South America. I'm telling you what, they talk about all that stuff. I think I think I actually saw a news report talking about a mantis alien that they think they got on on a camera down there. <laughs> but yeah, like, well, you, go ahead, go ahead. They put they put it out there, Mike, and they just let you look at it. Uh, you know, and here it is. This is what we're seeing, and now we're moving on. You know, I mean, it's just another news blurb. Yeah, exactly. Not, but not here. Not here. I mean, especially uh, like I, I was talking to Joe, Joe Roop here on, on the station at Fringe FM last night, and he, he, he made the statement that the media has uh, kind of gotten hairy since the old days. And, I, and I, I made the joke last night that and it's true. If you think it's been hairy in the old days, the last four years, uh, the media has become Bigfoot. And here we are. 
talking about Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 off it's literally off off the the rails here, and uh, the things they allow, you know, the censorship, all this stuff. I know you're watching it. I know I know you know what I'm talking about here. But there's a lot yep. of this that's uh, that, again, it, this is part of it, guys. This is part of it, right? And the crackdown is on you, and it's on me, and it's on people like W. J. Sheehan and his brother that are doing good work because this information is a uh, is off the beaten path. It's not allowed. Like this this stuff is basically uh, it's it's why we're on the fringe FM, right? The fringe. It's it's exactly that type of stuff. So just uh just FYI guys, the crackdown is on you, unfortunately. But anyway, I digress. Yep. Let's let's get back to Bigfoot. So um uh, let's uh before we get into some more stories, uh let me ask you about the the Patterson Gimlin film. Um, I'm sure you've, I've seen it a hundred times myself. I'm sure you've probably seen it a thousand. Um, yeah. what do you know about it? Uh, meaning like, uh, some of the details other people may not know. And, uh, and then I'll, we'll get into your opinion on whether you, how real you think it is and the rest of that. But, uh, what do you know about that actual film? I'll put it up on the well, stream here. What I know is what I know as a professional, uh, having been trained in, um, years of, uh, medical college, uh, kinesiology, myology, pathology, uh, you know, anatomy, physiology. When I look at that picture uh, with the trained eye, having studied muscles, their movement, the body, uh, I'm seeing a living creature with musculature moving to attached skin, supported by an immense skeletal structure underneath, everything moving in the picture and alongside of the skin, just as it would be if I was filming you walking across the same area wearing a pair of shorts. There is nothing fake about that creature in that picture. Uh, to me, the people that say otherwise do not have a clue, and they should just shut their mouths about it and stop uh, uh, soiling uh, what is a legitimate creature filmed by Patterson in the woods over there. Yeah, so so I have it up. This is from the, the Wikipedia guys. If you don't know what we're talking about, this is the most famous Bigfoot footage out there. So this was this was shot in uh, 1970. Oh no, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Uh, let's just uh, read this real quick. The footage was filmed alongside Bluff Creek, a tributary of the Klamath River, about 25 logging road miles northwest of Orleans, California, in Del Norte County. The film site is roughly 38 miles south of Oregon and 18 miles east of the Pacific Ocean. For decades, the exact location of the site was lost primarily because of regrowth of foliage in the stream bed after the flood of 1964. It was rediscovered in 2011 and actually got some press then when it happened. And it is just south of a north running segment of the creek, informally known as the bowling alley. So uh, mm-hmm. if, if you guys aren't fam- familiar, just uh, do just do the quick search, Patterson film, Gimlin film, you'll get this. And uh, it, it is, in my opinion, it's the most compelling Bigfoot video I've ever seen. And uh, like you said, uh, you get a lot of these people trying to de- debunk these things, right? And actually, uh, I, I just don't know. Like, I see this, and this is the one. This is this is the holy grail of Bigfoot footage, in my opinion. Um, but, but then... You watch, and you know it, it, the way the way the arms swing. It seems slightly human, but slightly not. The way it turns back and looks at the you know the, the whoever is supposedly filming this thing, like it's an unbelievable amount of just just 
eerie, creepy, you know, kind of otherworldly, like, holy smokes, what am I looking at here? And then, and then we have people debunking this. Um, was it, uh, was there something uh, that came out eventually like on a deathbed that they said they faked it or anything like that? I remember hearing something similar to that. Yeah, I don't believe any of that, Mike. I believe what I see with my own two eyes, and I make my own judgment call. And frankly, I don't care what anybody else says about it. Uh, I've heard Gimlin interviewed. Uh, he says it happened. Uh, and, uh, you know, first of all, look at the picture. Besides what I just said about it anatomically being alive and uh, attached to its own skin, not wearing a suit, uh, Patterson stumbled and fell with the camera before he rested on a rock or a stump, as uh, Gimlin uh, reported it. If you look at that creature, that bowling alley was a debris field. It was a flooded area where apparently many floods had happened. Trees, limbs, stumps, rocks, uneven surfaces. And that thing was just walking along with its head turned, looking at them uh, as if it could care less what it stepped on. It wasn't concerned about tripping or falling. And Patterson had just stumbled and fell with the camera in his hand. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, that, that, that's just some of the natural things that are happening in, in that footage that just stand out. But for me, uh, that is a body. That is a, a, a living entity uh, comprised of fur, hair, skin, muscle, and bone, and it is moving across that scene, uh, uh, you know, just the way it should be uh, as a living creature. No different than seeing an elk walk through there, a horse, a bear, anything else you could see anatomically. Uh, that it's not a fraud or a fake. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, like I said, uh, it, it's so weird how the information comes out. You get the debunkers say this or say that. But I did see some studies actually uh, come out. Uh, I've got a paper I'll link here for the, the folks in the chat if you want to check it out, uh, where they were, you know, uh, we, we, we've probably, if you're interested in this, you've seen some of these documentaries where they, that, you know, they're doing the, the measurements of the torso of the, you know, and the rest of this and how long the arms are. And, you know, based on uh, the, the area and the, 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 tree, the tree that's laying on the ground there by, by the, the Bigfoot as it walks by, like they, you know, I've seen some studies determine that this thing is huge, like eight foot tall plus. And that yeah. to, to fake this, uh, it would, it would be, so you would not just need a person in a suit. You would need like uh, stilts and padding and like, like an unbelievable amount of things, which of course, then the person wouldn't move like a person anymore. They'd move like a person no. on stilts. So, no. and the muscles, the muscles would not move in conjunction with the attached skin, no matter what you did. Uh, with a costume. It's just not going to happen. It's not yeah, going to no. happen. Especially back then. I mean, it's not like you could just go down and order a Bigfoot costume, you know, extra extra large. Right. <laughs> and, and, uh, Mike, everybody would go for the female version of the Bigfoot costume. Yeah, exactly. With exactly. Ex that's, that's a fantastic point. So, so not only could you not find a Bigfoot costume, uh, you, you definitely couldn't find the female version. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that on. goes without I mean, saying. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So uh, there are, so there are, have been studies. I'm going to link this study, like I said, uh, where, where, you know, there's, there's actually 
actual uh, academics and scientists that believe that this is a real this is real footage right and again right yeah. like i'm with you in that uh i believe what i see with my own eyes you know i'm not i'm not one to uh, to kind of get into this and uh try and say that oh well such and such said this so it must be fake no no come on watch the thing with your own eyes guys and you yeah. you make that determination that's that's a that's the world we live in right that you don't be gaslighted into believing something's not real when you can literally look at the footage and see what's going on here um okay yeah. so so uh i i linked that that study there okay so um uh, how about some more bigfoot stories shall we yeah uh why don't we get right into the thick of it uh into what i believe may be one of the most incredible uh upfront and personal tales that a group of guys uh witnessed in uh, canada and I'm going to read this, and you be the judge, okay? I think you're going to be blown out of your kid's sneakers. <laughs> All right, sounds good. This story came to me by way of Brian Mahoney from Fargo, North Dakota. And this is Brian's tale as it was conveyed to me. I had long been tired of seeing the shows on TV with people banging logs on trees and never seeing anything. When I ran across your query and decided to take you where the action is. In 1967, my dad and three other men in the neighborhood took me and four other boys on a trip up to Ontario to fish for muskies. We found ourselves landing at Peralta Falls Airport where we met up with a couple of float planes that ferried us up to a place near Ear Falls. My only memory was that we had rented a pretty big cabin for the week with plenty of room for all of us to rough it. Heck, we didn't care at the time if we slept in the woods. We were in the sticks, landing on water in a seaplane, and going musky fishing. The dads hired a guide whose name was Lars. We had three boats for the group. The boats were pretty big, something like 18 or 20 feet, and they had plenty of power to get us around in a hurry. Several days into the trip, we had been into the fish hot and heavy every day as advertised. We were landing muskies in a range of 28 to 36 inches on a regular basis and having ourselves a ball. The fight of the fish pound for pound was outrageous if you've never caught them. Most of the shore we were fishing had forests coming right down to the edge. But periodically there was an area bank with no trees that was visible along the shore. We had been fishing every day, facing the shore and pretty close to it for the most part. It must have been about 4 p.m. when we heard a loud and long roar coming from out of the woods. We all looked at each other and asked Lars, what the hell is that? He said that it sounded like a large grizzly. It was only two minutes later after we heard the first roar that another one sounded off coming from the opposite direction in the trees. There must be either two of them or one, one very fast runner, we said. Over the next 15 minutes or so, we sat fishing on the bank. Hearing several more roars, it seemed like they were being made back and forth by two different bears. At least that's what we thought at the time. Now, before I continue, I have to set you up visually for what was about to happen. We were sitting in three boats spaced maybe 150 feet apart. 
all of these boats were about 100 feet from the shore facing one of these slopes on the bank that I told you about. The water we were fishing in was approximately six feet deep, and the bottom was covered with grasses that the muskies hung around in. We were all looking at each other from boat to boat as we listened to these roars, which sounded like they were getting closer and closer to our position. I don't know why, but I felt like a fuse had been lit and a bomb was about to explode, and explode it did. Suddenly, the woods directly in front of us erupted in what I can only describe as a lion fight. The volume and intensity of the roaring was so loud that it hurt my ears. I couldn't see what was making the noise yet. I looked at the other boats to my right, and Lars was already waving to start the motors. As we started the engines, we were now all motoring further away from the shoreline, but everyone was still looking back at the trees. The roars almost drowned out the sound of our engines at times. We switched into neutral with all the boats now facing about 300 feet from the shore towards the woods. It was so intense that I was trembling. I could now make out two large figures engaging in an apparent battle for supremacy just inside of the tree line. The roaring was unrelenting as this struggle ensued within the trees. At one point, I almost felt as though I was going to faint. I can't really find the words to describe my emotions at the time. Right at the time when I thought that things couldn't possibly get any worse, these two giant black beasts came tumbling out of the trees, rolling down the embankment, smacking and biting each other. Both of the beasts were now in the water, and every time one started to stand, the other would slap it, and they would grapple, smashing each other down into the water. Each time one bit the other, the screams of pain were even louder than when they had been apart. I remember thinking that I wanted to stop watching and listening, but I couldn't. I could tell that one of the beasts was starting to get the better of the other, and finally, with one titanic blow, the creature's body buckled to the ground and it lay there unmoving. The victor stood leering over the other, growling ever more intensely and pounding its chest in a moment. It reminded me of when King Kong beat the dinosaur in the movie. I thought the down beast was dead. It lay half in the water and half out, face down and not moving. Then the other beast turned to face us and raising its head into the air, let out what sounded like a half roar and a half scream as it pumped its fist and flexed its upper body. It then turned to the victim and stood over it, roaring over and over again. A few minutes later, it walked up the bank, roaring and screaming into the woods. Everyone in the boats was shell-shocked, and our mouths hung open. Some of the guys were holding their heads like they were losing their minds, and none of us could speak. I saw the beast that was lying in the water lift its arm and drop it like it was its last gasp. We motored away and headed back to the lodge for the evening. Now, I won't get into all the conversation that went back and forth that night, because there's much more to tell you about these beasts. I never heard a grizzly bear in my life, but when Lars said the roars had come from a big grizzly, something told me it wasn't true. Up until that point in my life, I had never 
heard anything living make a sound that loud. It was as intense as a diesel train's whistle. Had it been closer, it may have broken our eardrums. And when they were fighting in front of us, some of the other guys actually had their hands to their ears. The oars that were laying in the aluminum boat seats were vibrating while the fight was going on. Another thing was the fight itself. At no time during the fight did they hit each other with a closed fist. They were slapping each other open-handed, grappling and biting. It seemed to me that the biting was used to get an advantage during what appeared to be a wrestling match of mammoth proportions. The fight had been so intense that I couldn't understand how either of them could withstand another second before one of them would drop. Lars went back to the scene the next day, and the one in the water was gone, so maybe it had survived, but we will never know. When they were slapping and thrashing each other around in the water, the waves which were created were rocking our boat off the shore. They were incredibly large, and when their mouths were open and roaring, in particular the one that in the end was looking at us while roaring, I could see huge white teeth, and it appeared like a bowling ball could fit into the mouth with no problem. The two of them had to be in excess of 10 feet tall and maybe 2,000 pounds. When they were slamming each other against the ground, I could feel the reverberations out on the water, and you could hear the hit. This had to be some type of animalistic fight for territory or domination of the females. It was like they were calling each other to a duel, and neither was going to back down. In my opinion, these are vicious and bloodthirsty wild beasts, and they are not to be trifled with. And that's the story. Holy smokes. Uh, that's one I have not heard. Uh, we're talking about Bigfoot, guys. That was a Bigfoot story. That was two big feet, as it were. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, uh, wrestling, fighting over territory. Uh, you're listening to Trouble Minds. We're here with W.J. Sheehan, author of Bigfoot Terror in the Woods and uh, Sightings and Encounters. And the story that we just heard is uh, right out of one of your books, is it not? Yeah, it's called The Fight. The fight. I think that's an apt title. So, so uh, let's uh, let's get some uh, get some get some plugging of your books out there. I mean, if you guys love this type of uh, 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 Sasquatch Chronicle, so to speak, I'm sure there's a ton more. Uh, w. J. Sheehan here has written, written eight books on Bigfoot's uh, firsthand encounters and uh, from from people just just like this, seeing things and reporting it. And he's got a ninth book on the way. Where where can we find your books? Well, all of the books are titled Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters, uh, Volume 1, 2, 3, etc., up through 8, uh, with 9 coming. Uh, I also have 6, with 7 being waiting for approval at Audible in audio format. Uh, and those, of course, are available at iTunes and Amazon as well. So you could purchase 6 audio books right now. Uh, with the other one waiting for approval. And then, of course, there's our podcast, uh, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, where my brother and I uh, kick around. Uh, we try, the podcast is set up with uh, our first segment being uh, cryptids in the news and in history. Uh, Kevin, uh, my brother and co-host, very astute man, successful. Uh, he investigates all kinds of subject matter. Uh, and many times can be a Bigfoot as well. 
Uh, and then uh, I open up the second portion of the show with uh, accounts of Bigfoot and occasionally a dogman or something else that might come through, Rougarou. Uh, and then we end the show with our listener mail, uh, kicking back and forth uh, comments and questions uh, from the listeners to the podcast. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, fantastic. And the website, guys, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. I'm keep linking it in all the chats so you guys can find it easily. Uh, do support the man. He's doing some good work out there. W.J. Sheehan and his brother, K.J. And uh, they're they're uh, chronicling these Bigfoot stories that, uh, and again, like uh, I've talked about this in the past with UFO Joe and uh, individuals like this and W.J. and his brother here that are doing uh, God's work, in my opinion, because if, if nobody's chronicling these things, they disappear from the internet, right? Like they, they literally slip away into the ether and we're never able to to revisit stories like this and so uh props to you my man for for uh making chronicles of this putting this down on paper putting this down on audio because it's go- it's going to be preserved and uh, again i think at some point uh when uh when you know it, it becomes no longer stories and more evidence that uh i think uh people will go to your work as uh, some of the uh hopefully scientific basis of why uh, bigfoot might be real huh yeah, and by the way, you know, uh, when I made that quote earlier, it was Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan, yes. Carl, Sa- Carl Sagan was the man who said extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And, of course, I said, uh, it's my opinion, we crossed that threshold a long time ago. Uh, and listen, Mike, why we need to go to the scientific community to support what we believe and what good people are bringing forth is beyond me. Because, you know, when I listen to some of these uh, uh, physicists talk uh, about the Big Bang and, and other topical, uh, other subject matter, they fill in the blanks by just saying, and 20 million years went by and then this happened. And 60 million years later, this happened. And 80 million years after that, they just fill in the blanks and then start repeating their diatribe uh, about what it is they want us to believe. And yet we have good-hearted people, hunters, fishermen, school teachers, uh, you name it, garbage men, nurses, doctors. Uh, and speaking of doctors, the next one's going to freaking blow your lid. Uh, but <laughs> okay. we have people who just say, this is what I saw, this is what it was, take it for what it is, so long, nice talking to you. Exactly. And that's not good. It's not good enough for that. That's not good enough. I agree. Uh, we got to take a quick break here. We're here with, you're listening to Trouble Minds. I'm Michael Strange. We're here with W.J. Sheehan of the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods podcast. Uh, hang around. You're going to hear more Bigfoot stories right after the break. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. 
When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Troubled Minds. I'm your host, Michael Strange. I'm here with W.J. Sheehan of Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, the website, the podcast, the books, the audio books, and he of the amazing Bigfoot stories. We're talking Bigfoot tonight, guys. We're talking all kinds of sweet stuff, courtesy of our guest, W.J. How you doing? Welcome back. Ah, good to be here, Mike, and uh, much thanks to you and your audience uh, for tuning in and having me uh, this evening. It's my pleasure. Ah, the pleasure is ours. Trust me. Trust me on that. Okay, so uh, so the, let's go back to that last story, because I think that one that you were telling just before we took a break was too hot not to talk about. <laughs> yeah. We have, so, so we have a sighting of not just... Okay, now this is an eyewitness account. Am I right? That's correct. Okay, so we have we have living human beings who saw not one Bigfoot, but two in the same area, and they were fighting with each other. That's correct. And uh, I have another account where a fight was with, witnessed uh, from a distance up by Vancouver Island. And a, a third account where some hikers witnessed what they believe was apparent training two little ones on an adjacent mountainside to grapple and fight with each other, which is exactly what these two monsters were doing. 
Yeah, that's crazy. So then we have not just one account, uh, several accounts of actually Bigfoot fights going on. That That's insane. That's the first time I've ever a- actually heard of, of this particular story or, or those those types of actions happening. Most most of the stuff you see in here is just, you know, it's the, uh, you know, my, my, my dad, my grandpa, my this, my uncle, whatever, saw Bigfoot, you know, and kind of those right. stories, like I was saying, kind of get passed around in, in, in the family sort of situations. But holy smokes. So so uh, th- this individual, were you actually able to interview them in person? They, they didn't send yeah. us in writing? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, were they uh, still rattled? I, I'm, I'm rattled just hearing it. I'm sure if you saw that with your own eyes, uh, that would freak you out forever. Well, you know, one thing, Mike, uh, when you are in the presence of telling somebody telling you a tale, whatever it is, it, uh, an angelic encounter, uh, UFO sighting or whatever. There's a certain energy uh, that is put forth by the individual that's palpable. And you can kind of feel, uh, I've studied oriental medicine, had a little martial arts training. Uh, I have a very prayerful life. I'm a Christian man. Uh, you know, I'm just... I got a little bit of an edge, I have to say, when it comes to telling a truth from a lie when it's coming to me. And uh, I have no reason to believe uh, that many of the people I talk to, now with the podcast, uh, people are contacting me all the time, and I give them my phone number because I want to talk to them. I'm not afraid to give somebody my phone number. What's the big deal? Uh, you know, uh, so you have my phone number. Well, what are you going to do? You know, and I talk to these people for hours about their encounters, finding out about them. What do you think? What happened? What's the area like you live in? Where is your house? You know, uh, I want to know everything. I want to know every detail that you could tell me out of your memory. And by the way, if you forget anything, call me back and tell me. So I I really have no reason to believe or disbelieve uh, the stories. Now, look, some of these stories that I'm bringing to the air are really incredible. Uh, But that doesn't mean that many of the other stories are less incredible in their own right. Like the bus driver I had who was parked waiting to begin her route one morning and a Bigfoot started smashing the side of the bus and then bashing the rear door in while she was trying to drive away. She lost her job because they thought she crashed the bus and didn't believe her story. That's a shame. That is an incredible story in and of itself. It, it is. It is. And uh, apparently this this happens, right? Like uh, these big, big feet come out into the, into the road sometimes and wreck vehicles. <laughs> apparently, Yeah, well, look at the one we just heard about, the uh, the guy, the trucker crash. How many people hit a deer each day of the year? I mean, there's thousands upon thousands of uh, uh, car crashes involving a deer jumping out and hitting a car. What makes you think that people aren't hitting uh, Bigfoot or a bear or anything else more frequently? Yeah. We don't hear it. You know, they don't report it on the news every time somebody hits a deer. And they're certainly not reporting it when somebody hits a Bigfoot. That's true. So, you know. That's true. Uh, what can I say about it? I'm not in charge, you know. <laughs> well, damn it, you should be. 
<laughs> yeah, if I was in charge, that would be half the newscast. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, so if, if you ever put your, your hat in that ring, you got my vote, okay? <laughs> plus one, plus one. Uh, uh, that's funny. Okay. Yeah, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, we, we don't run the show. We're just uh, victims of what goes on, you know? Amen to that. And, and uh, that's, that's the topic of the show forever, really. We're just victims of that. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so now, now the, the Bigfoot fight happens. Uh, one of them appears to be knocked out and then right. uh, it comes to and they continue scrapping here. Like, th- this is incredible. And, and so, the, the, like you said, when you talk to somebody who's seen something like this, there's a, there's a kind of a, a, a seriousness in their voice when they're telling that story. That's why I wanted to know if you actually maybe it was a written account or you actually was able to uh, talk to them in person. And I'll, and I'll vouch for w, WJ here. He's not kidding. I sent, I sent the man an email. First thing he did was send me his phone number right back. So he's, he's not fibbing here. He's definitely like, call me. We'll talk about this stuff. And here we are. But yeah, I yeah. mean, so so you heard the voice, you heard the person, you've talked to them maybe multiple times to get this story down, and there's like like I said, there's there's got to be a serious tenor in in the voice when they're telling you this story, right? Like this this is real. They're not they're not pulling your leg here. Yeah, and uh, as I said to you when we first spoke, Mike, uh, if if in fact any of these people are pulling my leg, to what end? Just to hang up the phone and say, ah, <laughs> I just proved this guy's full of crap. I told him this story, and he thanked me, and he believes me. <laughs> yeah, okay, good for you. So you just told me your fantastic story, and you hung up, and uh, maybe you convinced me, maybe you didn't. I mean, I can't spend my life uh, being concerned with the losers uh, who would do such things. I, I frankly don't have time. I'm a very positive individual. And uh, are there people out there doing such things? I'm sure. Uh, but I'm not going to spend every day of my life thinking everybody is a, a sack of manure uh, <laughs> that spends a little time talking to me. You know, it's just ridiculous. That's the politest way I've ever heard anybody called a POS, but uh, very, yeah. nice, very nicely done. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got some good language if you want to hear it. Nice, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so, so uh, th- that's clearly probably one of the, the oh-my-goodness type of stories with, uh, uh, regarding um, uh, Bigfoot, right? And, uh, yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, obviously I brought some more that are going to rattle your cage. Uh, but uh, we'll see what we get around to here, you know. Uh, okay, okay. Like no, the sir. old comic strip, the old comic line. I got a million of them. Nice, nice. <laughs> well, well, you're in the right place because I'm pretty sure we want to hear all of them. Uh, so, again, we're not going to have time to hear them all tonight, guys. But, like I said, uh, go to Amazon. Check out uh, check out uh, the books by uh, W.J. Sheehan, uh, Terror, in the, Terror in the Woods, Bigfoot, right? Is that what they're called? Bigfoot, Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters. There you go. And you'll have them all, guys. You'll have them all. Uh, looking forward to uh, to episode number nine of that series. Okay, so let's, uh, let's, uh, let's go to uh, another story then, shall we? Uh, okay, now this one is really, uh, I was going to read another one to you, but I decided to turn the page and go over to an evidential finding, shall we say. And uh, when I'm done reading this, why don't you tell me what you think happened, Mike? Okay. How's that sound? You got it. Got it. As I begin this tale with you, my friends, uh, I have once again uh, 
purposely placed this in my book after the previous one, because in the book it had occurred only miles south of where the men in the previous account had been attacked in their tent some five years later. This is what Wayne Enright had to say. It was getting late in the summer of 03 when my friend and hunting partner Jerry and I were going to spend a Saturday scoping out a location to place our tree stands for the upcoming fall hunt. Our destination was northwest of Raymond between Willow Creek, St. Vrain Creek, and Finch Lake. Having hunted here before and done quite well, our hope was that this season would yield more of the same. Our custom was that we would find several locations that seemed promising. After we returned home, we would then decide on the exact spot to set up a week or so before the season began. Our day had yielded several very promising locations. Yet as fate would have it, on the return leg of our hike, we had decided to take somewhat of a last minute detour for a look at another spot. The forest was really thick in here and there were a number of heavily trafficked trails. As we followed one of them, it opened into a small clearing within the trees. The two of us realized in the moment that this was really the best of the bunch, so to speak. We began to work the perimeter of the clearing, scoping out the best locations to position the stands. It was then that we decided to divide and conquer. Jerry went in one direction while I went in the other, saying to each other that we would give a shout if we found anything good. It was about 20 minutes later when I heard Jerry shouting at the top of his lungs, Hey, Wayne, you better come over here quick. As I ran into the clearing, Jerry was standing directly in front of me on the other side, waving his hand at me. I ran across to meet him as he said to me, prepare yourself because I found a body. I followed his lead as we meandered through some thick brush following a game trail. As we rounded a corner, Jerry stopped and extended his arm pointing. I couldn't believe my eyes. In front of us was a large old pine, the lower branches of which had long since died being completely devoid of any green growth whatsoever. Draped over one of the lower branches with a large dead stump of a limb protruding from her chest was a female body missing one limb and quite obviously dead. As I stood there looking at the corpse, the first thing thought that had entered my mind for whatever reason was that of Vlad the Impaler from Transylvania, who marked the trail leading up to his castle with his victims' bodies impaled on pointed stakes for his potential adversaries to peruse. This limb upon which the body was draped was at eye level, which to me said that no human had done this. There was nothing to stand on, 
and no reason, at least in my own mind, why someone would not only kill a person, but then go to such an extreme to create this gory display that we were now viewing. We knew it was a woman because of her long black braid that was hanging off the back of her head as her head slumped rearward towards the ground. The two of us noticed that the head appeared to be on the verge of falling off, with the neck giving the appearance of having been twisted or mangled in some way. Her right leg was still attached to the body, while the left leg was completely missing from the hip socket down. On her right foot, there was an extensive running shoe, which said to us that she had been jogging, and whatever she had been wearing on the lower body was removed. There was very little remains of blood on the ground, and the, blood, uh, the body in our estimation had not been there long, with the reason for my saying that being the lack of decay. The expression on her face seemed to be that of horror, which had been frozen the time of her death. She was wearing a tight lycra type of shirt, underneath which we could see what I would say was a sports bra. The chest was completely collapsed, and we could see what were segments of broken ribs protruding up through the shirt with blood stains surrounding them. The amount of trauma and physical damage that this corpse had been put through was self-evident even to our untrained eyes. It was then that Jerry said to me, there ain't no way, no how, that we're coming back here to hunt, bro. This place is cursed. I don't even want to be standing here anymore. I couldn't have agreed with him more as a kind of eerie chill began to consume my being. It was then that Jerry said what I was already thinking. No dude did, did this to her, bro. This was the result of a violent Sasquatch attack. There's no way a man could have or would have hung her up there like that, like it was a trophy being displayed. There was no evidence of any insects on the body and not a single scratch or claw mark on the remaining flesh or garments. Obviously, having made our way out, we reported our findings as well as the location to the authorities, and that was the end of it. Jerry and I had both passed on hunting that season, with the trauma of what we had both seen being too great for either one of us to deal with. I tried hunting the following year, but I was so uptight during the whole day wondering what exactly may be wandering around or watching me that I have since given up hunting entirely. The anxiety of that day's events haunt me to this very day. That's what horrifying. That, That's horrifying. So That's horrifying. is... Um, is um, uh, I got echo here. I'm not sure why. Is okay. So okay. So it it seems clear that uh, this was not done by a person, just like you said there. 
Um, yeah. What, so, so, so what happened? I don't know. I can't I like uh, other than other than if it's not a Bigfoot, let's say it could have been a grizzly, right? Like that's the only thing that comes to mind is some sort of a like I don't know, like like a horrific Kodiak bear attack type of situation. That's the only other thing that I would consider in this instance because you you don't you don't what he said. No bites, no claw marks. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. How's that coming off? Yeah, not as well, not, not as well. well. So I think once, yeah. like you said, once you, uh, uh, like Carl Sagan said, once you start to uh, uh, extraordinary evidence and the rest of that, I think uh, you have to look at uh, the, the possibility that this might have been a Bigfoot attack. Um, now, he, he said that the branch to which this secondary stump protruded upward was at eye level. He was like talking six feet off the ground with nothing to stand on. So you would have had to elevate the body to over six feet to get it to the top of the stump that was piercing through the middle middle of it as it was put down over it like a stake. Yeah, no. Think about that. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's horrifying. It's not it, it, it is not uh, easily done. Let's say, and I think you're right that uh, if we have su- such a grotesque trauma, uh, I think uh, I think it does kind of lend uh, to the the Bigfoot legend here. Part of that, uh, David Pilates, right? What if they hadn't found her? What if they took her out somewhere far off and uh, you know hung her up in a tree, like way out in the remote woods that uh, will never be found? And well, they were in the remote woods, but it was okay. an area they were familiar with. That's the only reason they were there. Okay. You know, they they had hunted in this place before. Uh, so for them, it was a familiar place. Uh, not that they knew every square inch, but they had, you know, parked their rig and hiked in to this area before. Uh, but the, the question bears asking, how many people go missing and will never be found? Exactly, and you know, maybe something like this happened. Like and uh, happened, uh, yeah. what can you do? What can you do? Uh, it's a, it ends up a, in missing four one one or a missing persons case. And you notice yeah. and you in know, in uh, areas that have uh, like high, um, let's say rural areas where, where you have like a lot of forest trees around uh, these tiny tiny towns, there are more people missing in places like that than there are in cities, basically per capita. I mean, it's a, it's not not an uncommon thing for like Alaska, let's say. It's probably one of the, the places where people go missing the most. Most of anywhere in the world, or at least in the North America, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I think it's one out of nine people that go to Alaska go missing. Which is or, just what is it? One one out of a hundred. One out of a hundred. It's it's some ridiculous number. Yeah, it's of a people lot. People that go to Alaska just disappear. Yeah, and so so you so, c- so got to make you wonder, right? Why? No. What's up there? What's yeah. out there? Uh, so yeah. well, okay, some, some some of them want to disappear. Uh, some people go there to fall off the map, so to speak. Uh, but then there's others in there who really went there to hike or to be adventurous and uh, perhaps met a sinister demise they hadn't planned on. Exactly, exactly. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. horrifying stuff horrifying here. Stuff uh, here. Uh, let me ask you this. I had a question in chat a little way, a little ways back that was actually very good. Um, have you noticed in particular from some of the uh, the places that uh, people have described these Bigfoots uh, sightings or whatever? Have you been able to maybe uh, pin down a territory where you think that these these creatures possibly range around? Uh, as far as I can tell, we're talking all points of the compass, east, west, north, and south at this point in time. 
And I think if uh, if some of these creatures had come across the Barring Land Bridge a long time ago, well, the first areas they would have encountered would have been parts of what we now know as Canada, Vancouver, British Columbia, the Pacific Northwest. Uh, but by this point in time, <laughs> come on. I mean, they've migrated, they've wandered around, they've banded off. Uh, and there's no reason why they wouldn't, because uh, then, as now, even though people like to think, you know, there's so many people around, well, all you have to do is a nighttime flyover over the nation and see where there are lights and there are no lights. And you are soon going to realize that there's a lot of real estate out there for things to wander around in. Yeah, definitely. Like the the Pacific Northwest for sure. My, I have a Bigfoot story. So after we take a quick break here coming up, not right away, but just maybe another minute or so, I, uh, I've i got a Bigfoot story that I'll tell you. We'll, we'll turn the tables. And I've got a Bigfoot story from my family. Maybe uh, you can add it to the collection. I love it. And if if it's worthy, I will ask you to type it up. Uh, send it to me via the contact link at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, as everybody does. And uh, I'll kind of work a little magic on it and uh, rewrite it. And if it's worthy, I'll put it in Volume 9. Okay, I appreciate that. How, that, how that, does that sound? That sounds fantastic to me. It sounds like a good time. Yeah. Now, you know something, Mike? There are 9.5 million, with an M, Square miles in North America, nine and a half million square miles of real estate. I think that's sufficient territory for anything to be wandering around, seen or unseen. I... The idea that these things can't survive is absurd in and of itself, uh, you know, so, and I'll tell you some other stuff, you know, when we come back from the break, it will take me a few more minutes, uh, I want you to ask me about the map. Okay, the map. If you, if, you, if you can remember that, ask WJ about the map. You got it. We're here with WJ right. Sheehan of the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods. We're talking Bigfoot stories tonight, guys. If you like that type of thing, you're in the right place. This is Troubled Minds. I'm Michael Strange. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot. We'll be right back. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Troubled Minds. I'm your host, Michael Strange. I'm here with W.J. Sheehan of Bigfoot Terror in the Woods. And guess what we're doing? We're talking about Bigfoot. We're, we're kicking it. It's like, a, it's like a campfire. Have a good time and tell each other Bigfoot stories. That's what's going on tonight. If you love this stuff, check out the website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Eight books have been written. Audio books, regular old school books, and a ninth is on the way. And maybe, just maybe, if I play my cards right, I might get my story in, in volume nine. <laughs> What's up, WJ? Welcome back. How you doing? Awesome. You know, I was thinking on this little break, you know, when you had asked me uh, early on, like, what made you drive down this road? And one of the things I had interest in, Mike, was old totems. And, you know, when I looked at the totems, uh, you would see on them, you know, an eagle, a salmon or a trout, some type of freshwater fish, uh, maybe an elk's head, a deer, uh, an eagle. And then there would be this creature with the big teeth, looked like King Kong's head smiling. And it wasn't a bear. And I always wondered to myself, that's odd, this thing. Uh, to be in the midst of all of these other things that are obviously living creatures. Why is that there? Well, I spoke to a DEC, Native American-type guy, uh, probably a couple of years ago now, and he taught me a lot of things. I learn a lot from my listeners and people I interview. And I got to talking to him about the totems, and he said they're real, uh, that is a Sasquatch that you're seeing on there, and that Native Americans have a great uh, reverence for it, as they do all uh, wildlife and the earth, and et cetera, et cetera. And more recently, I came across something by a tribe in northern Manitoba, Canada, uh, Ojibwe, Ojibwe uh, Indians. Uh, they have something that they call the seven teachings, uh, wisdom, you know, these wisdom-type teachings, words to live by. And in the seven teachings, each topic is assigned to an animal. Now listen to this. The subject of respect, the teaching of respect, is assigned to the buffalo. Love is assigned to the eagle. The bear is assigned courage. The beaver, wisdom. The wolf, 
humility and the turtle truth. And guess what number seven is, Mike? <laughs> I'm going to guess it's a Bigfoot. It's a Bigfoot. That is correct. And they call it Sabe, S-A-B-E. And to the Bigfoot is attached a teaching of honesty. Interesting. Pretty interesting, huh? Yeah, that's the interesting. Uh, honesty is a fantastic uh, uh, <laughs> parallel here, considering that uh, a lot of these stories don't get uh, don't get put out where they should. Uh, they don't get a lot of coverage like they should. And again, like yep. I said, uh, W.J. Sheehan, Terror in the Woods, do check it out, guys. He's out there chronicling this stuff. He's doing a bunch of the work that nobody wants to do. Well, let's say that they're not allowed to do, but he's got the courage to do it anyway. Um, so, so, And I was supposed to remind you about the map as well, so why don't you tell me about yeah, so uh, as is it the case, uh, when you allow your jaws to flap incessantly like I do and challenge people <laughs> with questions that they've never been hit with before, I had a listener contact me with a Bigfoot encounter. And uh, we talked hour, two hours very credible. His account is actually going in volume nine. He's a lifetime military man. And uh, in the course of our conversation, he said that uh, one of the special forces unit personnel who knew he had a uh, interest in Bigfoot approached him one day and said to him, I have something you're gonna be really interested in. So over the course of time, the man presents him with a map, about three feet by five feet, double-sided, printed by the government, made of some type of fiber that could be floated in water indefinitely and not deteriorate. And on this map, it's a survival training map for a certain region of the country. I don't want to give it up because I have since found out there are at least two regions where these maps are given out. He sent me some photographs of him pointing to various sections of the map, and then he sent me blow-ups of what he was pointing at. Well, these ma this map is two-sided. It's not like your typical map. It has all kinds of clues on it, uh, edible, non-edible plants, river currents on the coastline, uh, oceanic currents on the coastline, uh, little tips how to use your watch as a compass, uh, all kinds of reminders for somebody who is training in survival. And running around one corner of the map is a section called the Dangerous Animals in the Area. And in this little uh, photographic or artistic rendering, we see the bear, we see the elk, we see the wolverine, we see the cougar, and once again, I will ask you, Mike, what else do you think we see on this map? <laughs> I'm going to take a wild guess and say it's a Sasquatch this time. That is correct. And the Sasquatch is depicted leaning against a small pile of boulders with its right hand uh, 
Uh, and I thought to myself, what must the conversation be like in a military meeting hall with a group of guys studying survival when the map is projected on the wall or the screen or laid out for them to see and they see a Bigfoot on there? Now, another gentleman, a listener, also had trained in survival. He also told me that he had seen such the same map in a different area of the country. And on that map, the Bigfoot wasn't on there. So I said to him, you know, what are your thoughts relative to that? And they were similar to mine in that we both said, Either the Bigfoot is not prevalent according to their findings in that area, or they decided not to put it on there anymore. Uh, which I thought was an injustice if the latter was true, because why wouldn't you? And the reason being, they were in fear of men's lives, which is why they put it on this other one. And the fiesta resistance of the story is that I had asked the man if he'd make a copy for me, and he went to a couple of fine places. Uh, one guy told him 300 bucks, uh, which we both thought was a little pricey. I would have laid down for it, though. I wanted it. And a couple of months went by. This is all during COVID. And uh, one day he asked me for my address, and he sent me the map. Really? So you have this map? You have this map. I have it. And uh, let's just say I won't divulge where it is. I don't want anybody kicking my door in because I'll blow that stinking head off if they try to do so. Uh, but gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Uh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Have you uh, published a copy of it or any anything, even maybe a sketch or drawing of it? Uh, to this no, point? no. I, I think what I'm going to do eventually is uh, when I have some time, I may snap a couple of photos of uh, maybe the map as a whole hanging up and then the, maybe both sides and then a close-up of the corner uh, that has the uh, dangerous animals in it. You know, there's another individual uh, I heard interviewed a while ago, uh, and he had said, I'll, I'll, I'll give it up, it's no secret, it was on one of Les Straub's uh, Bigfoot, uh, Survivor Man Bigfoot series that he did. Uh, and he was up in Canada for uh, a segment of the show, and they were in, I think they were in Alberta. I don't know if he said it or not. It slips my mind. But I really think they were in Alberta. Uh, and if not, it's neither here nor there. Uh, Les was walking along with uh, doing his selfie thing with the camera on the boom. Uh, as he does so well, and he was saying the last something like the last time I was up here, uh, it wasn't this quiet. Now, if I lost that up and you're listening, less don't hold it to me. It's just my recollection of what happened. But at some point, he said the man that he was there with uh, had told him he thought there was something much more nefarious to why it was quiet. Now, dig this. He said he was up there uh, alone, not less the partner, and he came across some boot tracks, human boots. 
He had spent some time up there, campfire going, night set in, when all of a sudden, in the distance, he hears gunfire erupting. Not just gunfire, but I believe he said 90 seconds of gunfire. Now think about how much lead a group of guys can spray around in 90 seconds, firing basically continuously. He then heard a helicopter coming. Listened, he could hear it getting closer and closer. Could not see any lights. Felt as though it had passed by him, heading in the direction of where the gunfire had come from. And of course, we're left to surmise, maybe somebody was there shooting at some Bigfoot and taking them away. Uh, that was the inference. And if you've never seen it, I encourage you to go to Alessa's website and buy his uh, Survivor Man uh, Bigfoot series of DVDs and uh, run them by, you know, two or three or four or a hundred times. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in there. Uh, so am I saying that happened? No. It's uh, he said she he said he said scenario, but uh, you know it just it makes you wonder. Yeah, for sure, and, and for sure. not just that. It, not just so that he's it. he's been doing this for a long time too. I'm not familiar with the individual. What'd you say his last name was? Les Straub. Uh, Les Straub is Survivor Man. Oh, Survivor Man. Okay, okay, gotcha. I didn't yeah, know his actual did, name there. He did a series. Uh, in which he broke from Survivor Man to Survivor Man Bigfoot. And he was trying to get to the bottom of some strange experiences he had had through the many years of being Survivor Man. And uh, his quest was to investigate uh, the reality of a Bigfoot-type creature. So very interesting. Uh, and like I say, I encourage even you to go out and buy it. You can go on his website, Survivor Man Bigfoot or Survivor Man, and he's got uh, a little box set there for like 20 or 30 bucks, uh, three uh, DVDs in there, well worth uh, every dollar of what what you're getting there. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Uh, I will definitely check that out. I'm not familiar with it. There's a, there's a lot of stories, right? There's a lot of uh, a lot of things worth looking into that uh, you just got to go look for them. I think that's the thing here. Yeah, and again with him, uh, he was in a Indian village up there in the Pacific Northwest, where these people have a lot of sightings. Again, this is part of their history. This is not just having sightings now. Uh, their handed down belief is of this thing being like, you know, this reverenced creature of the forest, you know. Uh, they look at things a lot different than we do, you know. Maybe not the way I do, but the way a huge portion of Americans do. So there's a lack of reverence. There's this uh, brazen kind of uh, ignorance out there, you know. I want what I want, and I want it now. And, you know, I'll let me j jump on a different horse just for a split second here. Sure. Sure. Uh, the, one of the foundations of the Church of Satan. Now, I know you weren't expecting me to go there, but I'll <laughs> no, go but there okay. for a minute because you're going to find this very interesting. 
Uh, one of the foundation tenets is a statement, basically, which is this. Do what you will and let nobody tell you what to do. And I, as the man I am, I notice the prevalence of that statement more and more in society as the years are marching on. Uh, when I first heard that, I took note of it in the state things were in at that time. And as the decades have gone by, I see that statement living in society for the most part today. People who care very little about anyone or anything, uh, mostly concerned about themselves and what I could do to make a buck. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on today that was certainly not the way they were when I was a young person. So uh, I just look at that, and when I think about the Indians holding their traditions uh, going back, you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years, and I think about the state of society at large today, and I say to myself, well, oh, what kind of traditions are they going to be hanging on to? Yeah, You know, exactly. not much. Not much. They're very shallow. I agree. And, uh, you know, you, Dave, know. You, you can get all the answers on your smartphone, so you don't need to talk to your elders and uh, form any, any bonds. All that stuff is gone Right, now. yeah, just yeah. Google your history. Yep, exactly. Which is terrifying, you know. which is more in the purview of this show, actually. We're going to talk about that as we go, as we start going here on uh, the Fringe FM. But uh, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot to this, the, the real-life, real-time censorship and all the rest of this. Uh, do you have your, your radio on? Could you turn it down just a smidge? I think I'm talking back through your, uh, your phone there. You talking to me? Yeah. Yeah. I have nothing on. Oh, interesting. All right. So uh, I guess yeah. I guess I'm, my... sitting, I'm sitting in a quiet room with the door closed. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, on a telephone. That's it. Nice. So we have we have some gremlins in the system. I'm t I'm hearing myself back through the uh, the headphones here. All right. Cool. I th I thought you had turned on the radio to see when we came back from the breaks. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, so gremlin gremlins are okay, especially dipped in milk chocolate. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Okay. So we got a little bit of time left. Let me let me tell you my my Bigfoot story just real fast, and then we'll we'll wind this up, and you can uh, tell people where to find your books and all the rest of this. Um, because uh, again, like I said, this is important, guys. Like the, the this man and his brother are out there doing God's work, in my opinion. They're chronicling these stories uh, for posterity, for the future, for uh, a time when the Internet has, takes all these things away. They will be available directly on this man's website. Him and his brother, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Check it out. Fantastic stuff. Here's my Bigfoot story. <laughs> All right. I've got so my, my grandfather. Uh, he's now passed away, uh, unfortunately, but this is a long time ago. Uh, he was he was doing some logging up in uh, the, the Oregon woods there. And so long time ago, they used to take uh, take trucks out to these um, uh, what they call a logging camp. And so they, they'd go out there and they'd spend a couple, three days and they, you know, they'd fill up all the trucks with logs. That, you know, there were particular areas you could cut, other areas you could not, et cetera. So they were way out there. It was very remote. It was uh, one of those sections that uh, was really sweet for the type of lumber they were pulling and 
so they were you know they were they were willing to go kind of the extra mile and go further out to get it something like that that's how the story starts so they're up there uh they they pull all you know of course when you're up there with a, a group of men uh, out there in the woods you have uh you have your supplies you, you know you get your your tents and your your huge barrels of water like these 50 gallon barrels of water and you know you got food for several days at least a week because you never know something happens something breaks people might get stuck there you know you know if you're you're out in the woods you don't take it uh, frivolously it's a it's a dangerous place and it can be if you if you over or sorry if you underestimate nature right right so uh so they take off they they wake up early uh, the sun comes up they're off uh cutting wood all right they come back to the camp in the evening uh just as the sun's going down and their their barrels of water uh i believe there were three of them he said are picked up and thrown over the edge of a cliff and so he said that uh, you know now now this is my grandfather and he's he's a, a woodsman he's one of those folks that uh, you you walk across a beaver track in the woods type of situation you know what I mean and I'm jostling here because you're not going to find a beaver in the woods but he'll stop you and say wait look and he'll he'll point out a bobcat was here he'll point out uh, look a mountain lion track he he's always been like that. So now, in this instance, those barrels that were gone now don't have tracks of being rolled through the dirt over the edge because they, they found them thrown down the edge, basically. But there were big footprints that came out of the woods into the clearing they were camped in, left big footprints in the dirt, right up to where the barrels were sitting. He said you could see where the, the barrel, ring around the barrel was in the dirt. And these things were picked up and thrown over the side of this cliff. And he was a, a, a believer in Bigfoot for his entire life because of that, that instance right there. Yeah, and Mike, uh, this is not a solo incident. Uh, I have uh, at least one, if not two, accounts of damage to mining equipment and barrels and or oil drums being thrown. In fact, I think I have three of them. And uh, this is not uncommon, that these creatures do not like uh, mining, uh, lumbering operations. Uh, and with good reason, right? The noise maybe the stench of the fuels and uh, they just don't like it and why would you if you're in this beautiful silent domain and all of a sudden these freaking madmen uh, start coming in there tearing the place up you know yeah and that's exactly what they're doing i mean it's not there's no uh, going out there and uh, being gentle with nature i mean they're you're, they're literally out there to tear this tear the place up so yeah i mean so he was kind of like uh, maybe stepping up as a ter- territorial thing like sending a warning right yeah now what else did he say after that anything more no so uh they, they actually had to cut it short because now their entire water supply was thrown over the, over the cliff so they they had to actually send people back and get water and you know break it off and have to leave half the team and so it, it turned into a whole thing just because of this incident so it, it wasn't just a, oh well let's keep on going because you can't again like i said you can't uh, you, you can't forget uh, or if you underestimate nature you end up dead so yeah, kind of yeah no that. doubt about it. Uh, you know, I had a, a guy uh, who was involved with a crew clearing uh, some land up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, they were cutting in, like, fire trails. And uh, they had a pair of uh, Caterpillar D9 dozers, uh, amongst some other equipment. And... They went out to start one of the dozers one morning, and they couldn't raise the blade. 
And one of the guys standing to the side and examining the tractor said that piston is bent. Now, you know, when you look at the side of a dozer, it has that big pneumatic uh, piston that kind of can pull back in and draw the blade up in the air or extend it and lower it down. It was freaking bent. It was off. I mean, I'm not talking bent like a Superman horseshoe, but it was out of alignment. And it, when it was parked, it wasn't that way. So they had to stop all they were doing, pull this piston off, take somebody from the job with the truck, send them back to wherever they could get it. It took like days or a week. Uh, and then when they came back, something screwed with the other piston. So this happened twice. I mean, that's, and think about the leverage or the strength that would be necessary to bend one of those damn pistons on the side of a dozer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. It's incredible, massive strength. Yeah, who knows? Uh, we're, we're finishing up here. We're, we're at the end of the time. Um, so we're here with, uh, again, a W.J. Sheehan, Terror, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Check out his books. Go check out the podcast, guys. Give these guys some love. Him and his brother, KJ. They uh, Again, thank you for your time tonight. Uh, you've been very gracious with uh, being flexible and everything. And uh, you, you're a ton of fun, my man. Got it. You got it. Uh, I accept. I accept. We need to do this again. Thank you so much. Uh, stay tuned, guys. Uh, this has been Trouble Minds with Michael Strange, WJ Sheehan. We got Joe Roop up next. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, you're still talking with WJ, right? No, yeah, I'm still talking to you. Yeah, you, you were the, okay, the guy. Right. I thought you uh, said we were going to do another hour on... Uh, something or other, and I was wondering what happened there. That's all.
Yeah, we're still here. So uh, so we basically okay. uh, turned off uh, Fringe FM, and now we're just on uh, how we always did it, well, on YouTube, uh, Facebook, and uh, Periscope. So we've always just been like a kind of a live streaming, no commercial, independent type of situation. So so we're still live there. And uh, yeah, so that's that's going right now. Let me uh, get this. Uh, let me get situated. If you want to take a quick break, maybe for a couple minutes, uh, as I get a get a setup for that, then uh, we'll uh, we'll keep on rolling here and, and talk some more Bigfoot. Okay, I'll do it, Mike. I'll be back in like two, three minutes. Okay, sounds good. Okay. All right, guys. So we're uh, we're doing uh, we're doing we're still doing Bigfoot here. So we're we're off of the radio there, the Fringe FM, and uh, we are now uh, back back to you, back to uh, looking at uh, the the chat here. We'll do some shout outs in the chat, answer some questions. So if you guys want to um, if you want to uh, ask a question for WJ, type it in the chat. Uh, I saw some good questions out there. So so we're back to that. And uh, like I said, I apologize that uh, the commercials were coming through. Ideally, here's how we're going to work this, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll go the two hours on the Fringe FM, and then we'll try and cut out the commercials for the live stream so you guys can hang out, and I'll be able to talk to you guys in during the live stream separate. Like, it'll be completely separate. So I still have to work out that technology. I got a little bit of talk back going on here, which is not ideal. Uh, maybe I should reconnect Skype here. I'll ask him if we could re- reconnect, and I'll just call him right back. But that, that talk back's killing me. It's like hearing yourself back on a, a you know half a second delay. Nothing will melt your brain faster than that and <laughs> cut out your thinking process. But anyway, so uh, we're we're just back to doing what we do on uh, the regular regular old trouble minds. Uh, streaming on uh, YouTube, streaming on Facebook, streaming on all that stuff, and uh, looking at the chat now, looking to talk to you guys. So let's see, what do we got here? What do we got here? Hell yeah, hell yeah, not too bad, right? That could have been much worse. Um, let's see, let's go to the chat. What's up, but Mateo, John, Derek, William. How you guys doing? Yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're going. William says no more three. This is three, buddy. This is three. <laughs> we're gonna keep. We're gonna continue. If you guys are there and you want more of this, we're gonna continue. Like I said. So, uh, all right. So my time slot on uh, on Fringe is seven to nine. So then we'll just tack on an hour afterward, and you guys can uh, hang out, and we'll uh, we'll do we'll kind of do the shout outs and the rest of that stuff on the back end instead of the front end here. So what's up, Ben, Elizabeth, uh, Michelle? Uh, let's see. Michelle says, Hey, Mike, what year did that happen? I don't remember to be perfectly honest. It's it was a long time. Ago. Long time ago, I was a young man when my grandfather told me the story, uh, so I don't really know. Uh, John uh, says, "I hate to show it. If the show had commercials like this, I don't think I would stick around very long." Yeah. So, like I said, we're going to fix that. So the live stream will not have commercials. So, what's up, John from Tennessee? How you doing? Uh, Larry says, "I've heard they have family and they will drag off their dead or wounded." Uh, Bigfoot, right? I think so. I think that that could be the case. Um, let's see. Uh, blame it on the foot, the Bigfoot thingy. What's up, Joanne? Let's see. John says, uh, "Buy your trouble minds elixir now." Yeah, yeah. Haha. Uh-huh. Got it. Got it. Got it, got it. It's a it's a technology it's thing. A technology. That's all. Um, let's see. What else do we got? Uh, yeah, crazy stories, right? Crazy stories from WJ here. Pretty good stuff. Uh, uh, Michelle says, I've seen that in front of you while stuck in a boat. What's up? Uh, Michelle, Steven, thanks for being here. Um, Ash says, I slept with a Bigfoot. Sure, buddy. Sure you did. Sure you did. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? Uh, reading some chat. Uh, so, so if you guys have questions for uh, for WJ, just type them in the chat. We'll, uh, we'll read these as we go, and we'll talk. We'll do more Bigfoot stories. Now it's uh, now we can let our hair down, and we're off the actual air, and we can uh, do, do those sorts of things. So just waiting for him to come back and then we'll uh we'll continue trucking here um yeah i'm back with you mike all right what's up wj uh can i can i call you good okay good good can i call you right back i think our our uh, connection here is like it's talking back in my headphones and driving me insane can i just call you right back absolutely i'll hang up right now and wait for you to call okay calling right back thank you 
Okay, there you go. Driving me insane. That was probably it. It was probably the uh, connection we had that just went spurgy halfway through that. So anyway, I'm going to call him right back, and uh, we're going to continue trucking. So again, uh, Troubled Minds Radio, uh, Michael Strange here. I'm with W. Sheehan of uh, Terror in the Woods, the Bigfoot podcast, and uh, he's uh, been gracious enough to stick around for another hour with this guy. So so if you want the three-hour show, I heard I heard somebody in there say three-hour show. Why not? Why, why not? Why no longer three hours? Well, guess what? It's still three hours. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm calling him back, and let's uh, let's do this. Can I do this? How do I do this? Oh, come on. Oh, come on. I'm using gizmos that I haven't used before, and that's why. That's why. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Let's see. Let's call this phone number here. Let's see. But yeah, type your questions in the chat, guys, if you want. You have questions for uh, for WJ, and uh, I'm sure he'll, we'll be able to answer them for you. Uh, let's see. Uh, there. All right. Let's see if this works. All right. Okay. Cross your fingers. Okay. How does it sound now? Oh my goodness! So much better. Really? <laughs> yes. Thank you. Uh, there was something happened that where uh, so when I was speaking, it was coming back to me like a half second later in my headphones, and uh, oh, nothing boy, will boy. ruin your thought process like hearing yourself back out of out of sync. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah yeah definitely good stuff. We're we're back though. Okay so. All right, so this is kind of that. Now, now we have no commercials. We got no, uh, you know, not that we're going to go nuts and start swearing or anything here. But if you if you drop a drop a, one of the uh, the bad words, it's okay now, and we're all we're all good now. So uh, let's uh, let's get back to Bigfoot, shall we? Well, this sounds uh, good to me. Uh, I've got something. Well, everything I have is interesting to me, but this is where I was going to go a little while ago when I decided to. Uh, tell you that last one about the jogger found draped over the branch of a tree. And uh, although I, as a writer, uh, podcaster, under most circumstances, I don't consider repetition to be advisable. But when we're talking about all things Bigfoot, you know, repetition seems to be the norm as far as they and their habits are concerned. I hear the same things over and over again from so many different people that they are definitely creatures of habit. And, you know, I'm continually presented with the same or similar circumstances surrounding the sightings uh, and or evidential findings relative to these creatures. So in one of my previous witnesses' testimonies, there was also a collection of bones found in the deep woods uh, while this individual was on the hunt. But as you'll soon hear... Another collection of bones was found with somewhat of a gruesome twist as to who or what they belong to. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, All right. Before we do that real quick, uh, we got a couple questions from chat. You mind answering some questions that people have here? Sure. No. Go ahead. Okay. So so I'm not going to forget. We're going to get to that story. I just uh, go on and put a couple questions in here before we go uh, on the rest of that. Uh, so uh, Derek wants to know on Facebook, uh, do you think Bigfoot live underground in the woods? Oh, sure. Quite possible. Why not? I mean, uh, we've seen um, uh, little huts that they make for themselves uh, out of uh, branches and boughs. Uh, I'm sure they would take advantage of uh, old human-made structures left in the woods. And, I mean, heck, even a bird will crop into the corner of an old building and make a nest, dozens of birds even. 
why wouldn't they live underground? Cave systems, uh, cracks and crevasses where you could get a little shelter. I mean, it would only make sense. All animals do such things, you know, uh, sure. if they can, if they can, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we do too, right? I mean, if we don't have uh, available actual housing, that's where we go. We, we, we go to caves as well. So yeah, that wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Um, okay, this one's a little bit out there, a little bit more alien-centric, which is kind of what this show is sometimes. Um, have you heard the theory that Sasquatch is a part of a worker race b- brought here by like uh, the Anunnaki, which are like, uh, I'm not sure if you know who the Anunnaki are. Yes, I do know. Okay, so uh, there's a. It's been said that they uh, they brought like a, a worker race here named the Igigi. That's what they were called. Uh, do you think uh, there's a there's a chance that maybe uh, the Igigi are synonymous with the Bigfoot here, or do you think uh, this is just maybe a, maybe a stretch? Uh, I don't really know how to answer that, other than to tell you what my own beliefs are. Uh, I think there are two things going on here with Bigfoot. I think we have a flesh and blood creature. And then I think we have some type of demonic representation of the same. Uh, One bleeds, breeds, eats, kills, dies. The other one seems to be able to come and go at will uh, in and out of our variety, uh, in and out of our reality. Uh, And this, to me, is proven by accounts where there are Bigfoot scene where they follow tracks and the tracks end. Um, I had an encounter in uh, Pennsylvania, two quad riders in the mud, seeing a Bigfoot cross their path, and uh, there's quite a bit more to the story. They came back later to look at the area where the creature had walked by. There were no tracks in the mud. Uh, Other accounts of Bigfoot seeming to disappear uh, behind hard edges on uh, thermal cameras and visually. And what I mean by hard edges is uh, a creature is sighted in the woods and then suddenly appears to walk behind what would be like a cinder block wall where they can't be seen anymore, a straight hard edge that they just kind of right behind it and they're gone. How does that happen? That's a good question. How does that happen? I, and so, so you're, what you're getting at is maybe they can do things that uh, <laughs> people can't do. I guess that's maybe the best way. Yeah, to I think they're a fake. I think some of these, uh, 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 first of all, my belief about uh, UFOs is demonic. Okay. And I, I have had numerous UFO encounters and sightings. Uh, I believe that these are uh, put on as a ploy to try to deceive mankind into believing that there is something other out there other than a creator God. So we could go down that trail for about 300 hours. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's, it's, it's interesting you bring it up because we, we talk about that a lot, right? This is, this is kind of the show where uh, all, all things are open, right? Like we, we want to be able to think about these things logically and, uh, you know, take what evidence we can. And then also when you're dealing with things that are, you know, fringe 
analysis type stuff in nature anyway. Uh, I think I think you're doing yourself a disservice by not considering, you know, the wider implications of maybe like the interdimensional hypothesis or, you know, maybe like you said, demonic or these types of situations, because uh, you, you trace any of this stuff that goes that goes way back in time. And there's there's a lot of basis for this. You know, there's a lot of text. There's a lot of stories, firsthand accounts. Like it's an unbelievable amount of information that uh, who knows what connects to what. But I think uh, if you if you start trimming things down to just uh, just a definition of what you know the words are i think uh, i think you're doing doing the world a disservice you got to kind of open your mind to all these all these different uh different things here um so so one more question here regarding the uh the the woman hanging in the tree are there any news references to this or how about any of the stories you have like uh, with uh talking dead bodies were you able to corroborate any of these stories with um with maybe like a news uh murder type uh investigation anything like this uh, none of them, and with none of them, do I do any such things. Okay, okay. Uh, it's it's not my ba- uh, bag, and I frankly don't have the time, the energy, or the involvement uh, to take these any further than receiving them as reports, uh, spending time speaking to the people, and then putting them out there. Okay, that's totally fair. Because I mean, just just doing this, like the radio show, it I, it takes a ton of time. So I know, you know, podcasting, books. I mean, the the amount of time you're already putting into it. If you suddenly become the investigator as well, good lord, you'll never sleep. No, I can't. And I work. Um, I'm a full time uh, worker. Uh, I write a lot. Uh, I'm not in this to be uh, the prophet of Bigfoot. Because you know what? Even if you did throw some type of investigation out there, as some have already done, people don't believe them either. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So I'm not looking to persuade anybody uh, in my own world or in the world of your listening audience or my podcast audience. I'm not trying to persuade anybody to believe anything that I say. Yeah. I believe it and that's enough for me. Exactly. And and you're in the right place because that's the same thing here, right? Like we keep everything with an open mind. I don't like telling people what to think no matter what. I think it's I think it's a bad look. It it makes you uh, uh let's say a jerk. <laughs> it just makes you a jerk. Well, you know, Mike, I believe this. You're not going to change anybody. That, that's true too. <laughs> that's true too. You know. So, what's the sense in trying? Yeah. I'm not here to please everybody or anybody, and I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. I'm simply presenting uh, what I myself have experienced, and my thoughts are related to that. And now, what these other people have experienced, and their thoughts are uh, their thoughts related to that. And I can tell you, when I talk to these individuals, I believe them, and that's enough for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I think uh, like like you were you kind of uh, hinted out there. I think we're we're living in more and more cynical times with uh, with the you know the the Satan Satanist type of uh, talk there. Uh, that uh, I think I think uh, it's it's easy to be cynical now. It's easy to be. Um, uh, not to not not to respect nature. I, I always, you know, one of the, one of the the things I always go back to is the, the hubris of humans, you know, and just uh, yeah. the, the the amount of things we think we know, and we have no idea what's really going That's on right. out there. Yeah, it's That's it's right. unbelievable. And, uh, and by the way, uh, pride 
self-pride, egotism, is what caused the fall to begin with, uh, if you recall the story, uh, which I won't get into now, but it doesn't surprise me that at the same time all of this behavior is changing, that there's a sub-element of pride, uh, self-pride in all of these individuals. Again, hearkening back to, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to tell me what to do. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. You know? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I, I tell you, I'm the kind of person where I'm like, listen, mother, if you want to drop the myths right now, I've about had it up to the top of my head with you. Uh, I think we call that old school. That's a, that's that's probably yeah. The term. Well, yeah, I'm definitely old school. <laughs> right on. Okay, so uh, so just wanted to ask a couple questions here from Chad. Uh, we'll get back to that in a, in a sec. But uh, you want to carry on yeah. with the story there about the uh, the Bigfoot, the woman in the tree, and uh, the rest of that. You you were going to add on to that somehow. Um, I'm not sure where I was going with the same story. Uh, I'm not sure. I think you had maybe a, a, a periphery you were going to tell no, me something similar. No, I started similar. telling you an additional story. Oh, my bad. I cut you off. So, okay, let's, yeah. uh, let's do yeah, that. Yeah, we then. started telling a story, and then we went to some of the questions people had to ask. Okay, I'm an idiot. Let's do that now. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, but listen to this. I'm going to... I read that section before, which everybody probably forgot about, but let me just say this. Talking about this bone pile collection that was found and the fact that it was actually the second that I have, uh, and many others have found piles of bones, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that of all the people who could run across such a finding as a pile of bones, this gentleman, David Brinks, has spent the past 17 years as an orthopedic surgeon. Now, I'm going to step aside and read, allowing you to hear David Brinks testify as to exactly what he found in the Kootenay by Mount Oki, October 7th, 1999. As I told you, Bill, when we first made contact, I did not personally see anything in regards to a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch-type creature. But rather, it was what I found while on the hunt that troubled me to such an extent that to this very day, I am haunted by it in my thoughts. As I also told you, I have given up hunting in the deep woods entirely. October 7th, 1999, was my last day in the forest. I have likewise sold off my entire collection of long rifles, which had been quite extensive and expensive as a result of what I encountered that day. I had hiked in about six miles following Tokum Creek to where I had reached a point where I was in, shall I say, the shadow of Mount Oki. While hiking in this area is full of life, a variety of sorts, animals large and small abound, as well as birds, critters of every sort imaginable, providing one is looking. I was, as I said, about six miles in when the realization came upon me that everything had grown eerily still and silent. This had happened so gradually that it must have been over the course of perhaps a mile 
before I actually stood still in one spot to look and listen in order to confirm my thoughts and feelings. When the realization had struck me and my hunch had been confirmed in reference to the stillness and lifelessness I was encountering, a cold chill went through my body like a lightning bolt from head to toe. I had never experienced a feeling as such in my entire life of hunting. This was followed by a feeling of imminent danger and the thought that I may lose my life. Personally, I have over 10 years of education and I'm not used to psychological breakdowns of any sort taking hold of me. My career, my patients being completely reliant on my ability to be level-headed and skilled at both what I do and who I am. I remember standing my ground and trying to gain control of my thoughts for some 20 minutes because after all, I couldn't exactly run out of here with my gear. At some point, I felt as though I was somewhat normalized again and began to move into the timber by the base of Mount Oki, following what appeared to be a rather broad game trail, which from the looks of it, seemed to be well-traveled by large animals in the area. I came upon what I will describe as a small side path leading through a wall of brush that was about 10 feet tall. Now walking through this wall of brush, this small game trail opened up into what looked like a cleared campsite. In other words, the ground in here was virtually clear of debris and was so tamped down that it looked like hard pack. It measured some 30 feet by 15 feet, being oblong in its dimensions. Scattered about this clearing at first glance were hundreds upon hundreds of animal bones strewn randomly about in the clearing. As my mind was trying to process that which my eyes were now seeing, my vision shifted to what appeared to be a camouflage jacket laying off to the left side near the fringe of the clearing. I stepped over to take a closer look when I realized that the jacket was still wrapped around who had been its owner. The waistline of the coat was collapsed to the ground, and when I lifted it open with a stick, the remains of a human pelvis were visible, devoid of the lower extremities. Upon probing the upper torso with the branch, the coat was still supported by what I assumed was the still intact rib cage, as well as the skeletal hands and arms extending from what were now severely deteriorated sleeves. As I now examined what was a severely damaged skull, my observations confirmed that the entirety of the facial structure, from the maxilla to the frontal bone, inclusive of the nasal, zygomatic, temporal, orbital, and lesser bones, had all been impacted by some type of blunt force trauma, which to me rendered the entire face compressed to some five inches within the skull. I knew immediately that this had not been done by a bear, and no human was capable of delivering such a blow to the face.
the head looked as though a seven-inch round block of steel had been pounded into it front on. I started to tremble and shake violently as I stood over this apparent victim of some type of hideous murder. But why this individual had found his place here with all these other bones was incomprehensible to my rational way of thinking. Within the confines of the space, there were no bones visible that still had flesh or tissue on them in any state of decomposition. And yet here I was, standing in the middle of animal and now human remains on a patch of ground that was so worn and hardened that not so much as a weed was coming forth from it. With my gloves on, I attempted to do a search of the remaining pocket areas of the coat and came up with a business card for an insurance agency about 200 miles away from where I now was. Having made my way out of the woods and back to civilization, I reported my findings and location. I gave them the business card and offered to take them back where I had made the find if they desired me to do so to which they responded they would let me know if they needed any further assistance on my part. To this day, I am tormented by having found this torso with no legs, lying in a sea of bones within the forest. Something or someone had spent a lot of time in that clearing to have worn it down to the state in which I had found it. It had the appearance of a campsite that was used on a regular basis by a family of five, and yet nothing was there when I arrived. Out of everything I had seen and felt, it was the damage that had been rendered to the individual's face that haunts me to this very day. Death from such an impact was certainly instantaneous, and yet, what had performed such an evil act was unknown. I contacted you, Bill, because you, oh, I contacted you, Bill, because my own thought process had brought me around to the notion that this was done by a Sasquatch. I have never heard of or known of a bear to deliver such a blow and the remains of the jacket showed no signs of having been slashed or clawed in any way, other than the natural breakdown of the fabric having been left outside in the elements for a prolonged period of time. So what do you say to the good doctor? I, <laughs> I think you say it's tragic and... Uh... Uh, you call David Pilates of missing missing four one one because I, you you can't say Bigfoot you just can't say Bigfoot right again we live in the world where you can't say Bigfoot but uh, uh, like you're you're talking about uh, damage done that uh, is not normal in the wild right it's kind of it's kind of like when you talk about I don't know if you're into you, you, like you said you've probably seen the UFOs and this type of thing you've seen a lot of these but like it's like yeah. the cattle cattle mutilation type stuff where uh, yeah. there's some there's some uh, things that happen to these cattle that you can't really describe right uh, you know yeah. their their tongues removed laser precision like all kinds of like really weird things I'm sure you're familiar, familiar with Linda Moulton Howe I just got I just got a couple of pictures of a cattle mutilation uh, sent to me two weeks ago really uh, 
So and so, uh, do uh, I guess you get stuff like that as well? Do you do you catalog it? Absolutely. And, uh, okay. Okay. So you do. Yeah. Don't forget. Uh, part of our podcast is called Cryptids in the News and Other Oddities. Okay. I mean, we do everything from uh, the origins of Santa Claus to uh, three hundred year old Bigfoot stories. Nice. Nice. You know, in that segment, you know, and anything in between, UFOs, uh, whatever it may be, you know, we, we will dive into anything and discuss anything. Right on. So um, that's where we're at with that. And Kevin is an excellent uh, researcher and uh, commentator uh, in that segment of the show, uh, the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods uh, podcast. He's excellent at what he does. Okay, fantastic. Uh, which, yeah. which hopefully we can get it all worked out and get him on the show next time. I'd love to have him here as well. That's uh, that's your brother, right? Yeah, like I said, we're uh, you know you'd have to figure out the logistics. I mean, he's six hundred miles away from me, and uh, we've had some difficulty with Skype. Uh, I think it's on my end more than his. Where if we use the camera. Uh, the whole thing crashes and we lose the podcast and have to start over again. No, that's not good. Yeah, and if we run it without cameras on, so we can't really see each other at all, very similar to what we're doing tonight, uh, everything seems to be okay. So uh, my brother's a bit of an electronics whiz, but podcasting was not his endeavor. So he's kind of learning as we go along uh, the how and the why of the uh, the work we're doing now as well, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, okay, so uh, guys, if you got, we're here with uh, we're here with W J Sheehan of uh, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods dot com. Check check out the website. Uh, do go if you're interested in more of these stories. Go go buy the books, guys. Go buy the books. Do the things. Uh, they're they're available on Audible, available on Amazon, all the places you can buy this stuff. So do check it out. Yeah, and look look, uh, very well narrated. Do you actually narrate the books as well, the audiobooks? I do, and uh, uh, in our last segment, I was doing a little speed reading, which is really not the way I like to tell stories. Yeah, totally. I like to tell them like, you know, Grandpa sitting you down on the chair, which is who I am. Right. And uh, it's funny because when I first started doing the studio recordings for the Audible books, I realized I was reading them too quickly. So the first one or two went out there at a fairly quick read like we did in our first section together tonight. Gotcha. Uh, but since then, I've slowed it down to my uh, storytelling mode, uh, which is really what these are, right? They're dramatic, incredible tales of high strangeness uh, in the woods. And uh, they deserve a little bit of reverence for what they are. You know what I mean? It's it's like hearing the night before Christmas read when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Yeah. So that's the way we like to do it. That's the way you do it, right? Yeah. So so this is uh, <laughs> this is actually finally dawning on me. Like I spent, uh, you know, we we've been doing this show for almost three years in April now, and it, uh, for, for uh, I had a co-host for a little while, and then when they uh, they just the men in black got him, I guess that's that's a joke. But uh, so I was left I was left solo a little bit, and so I was for some reason I was just like speed speed racing through everything. I don't know, and uh, and it finally dawned on me like, what are you doing? 
going, <laughs> like just slow down. Like some, some yeah. of the stories, like, like, just like you said, you need to read these things slowly because there's, you know, a, a pause here or there can change the entire representation of something like that. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah. definitely an art to I, it. Yeah. Consume it. You know, uh, just allow yourself a moment. Like you were sitting at the beach watching the sun, uh, set and just take it easy back it off a notch and just enjoy what's being presented to you in the moment and then chew on it a little bit, you know, which again is something that's missing today. Everybody is in such a damn hurry. For what? Where are you going? You know, you're going home to uh, do this, chase that, go here, you know, Uh, it's just, very bizarre to me, man. Agreed, 100%. You're like, uh, I'd love to hear this story, but can you speed it up, please, sir? <laughs> yeah, I only have a few minutes exactly. left of my day. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. yeah sir, uh, WJ, if it's okay, can we get along with this a little bit? I'm a little uh, flustered. <laughs> Exactly right. Exactly right. Which is, uh, again, that, that's not the way you tell a story. So uh, no, I'm, I'm catching no, up to, to that. And uh, some dramatic pause here and there really means a lot. Um, so so definitely good stuff. Let's go Let's go off the beaten path a little bit. Maybe you don't get these types of questions often. Um, you said you do a uh, little bit of everything. Uh, we got some questions about dogmen, which I'll get to in a sec. But uh, what about yeah. the, the cattle mutilations? What do you think that is if uh, you, you're giving it your best guess? And uh, why are they doing taking the tongues and the genitals and all this other weird stuff that that kind of keep happening now? What do you what do you think uh, is up with that? Well, to me, I I believe this thing is legit. I believe this is happening uh, all the time. Uh, there's nothing imaginable uh, uh, that I could place to somebody's vivid imagination uh, relative to the cattle mutilation phenomena. Again, people may think this is mundane or repetitious that I say this. I think there is nothing more going on here as there is with these other Bigfoots who can come and go, not leave tracks, disappear. I think this is part of a global divisive plot by the enemy of mankind to get them to believe in yet another way that there is some other life form out there that could have helped them get here, you and I get here, without the help of a creator God. I think it's all a nefarious plot by the enemy of mankind whose name begins with S. Can you guess who that is? I can guess who that is. <laughs> yes, yeah. I can. So, it's all a divisive plot uh, to lead men and women down a trail that maybe some of the to- stories they were told when they were young, of course, why should anybody read for themselves Why they're older? You know, we have to rely on the old stories we were told. Uh, but that may cast some doubt on their feeble thinking, their feeble minds, their Google minds, that something else had to do with their creation uh, that had nothing to do with God or anything else in that ilk. That's a good one. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you, what you think of that, but that's my stand, and wild horses are not going to convince me otherwise. Gotcha. So, 
So there's uh, something something at work here. The the uh, the oh, the the, the, the S word. We, we will just say it. The Satan. Satan's at work here, yeah. and, and trying to make people believe that uh, the the creator of of hum, humans and the rest of this is not. Um, uh, it's not possible. Basically, we're we're trying to, we're trying to bring people away from God, is what we're saying here. Right. They they want you to buy into anything. Now, anything could be the Big Bang. Uh, anything could be that uh, Mike and Bill were once in a primordial ooze heap somewhere and turned from a slimy little lizard into a man over again fifty million years. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> you know, it took five million years for this to happen, and then it took ten million more years for this to occur, and by then, uh, Bill was trap shooting at the shooting range, scoring perfect rounds. It's so stupid. It's so foolish, you know what I mean? Uh, Five million, ten million, twenty million. Anything to divert you from the fact that we were just created and the universe was created. They need to know all the answers to all the questions before they will believe. And uh, sorry, man. My experience has been you don't get all the answers. No, no. I, I, I think I think we have to be. I think the wise man, uh, in my humble opinion, would would be content not knowing all the answers. I, because it's it's folly trying to chase all that. Because you end up as a result when you chase too hard and chase too far, you actually end up uh, making up these answers. You know, like uh, uh, you know, uh, not to not to demean science. Science is a good thing, but I mean, uh, anthropology and a bunch of these things. You know, by and large, they're kind of making their best guess. <laughs> you know, and that's, it is, and that's science. It's a crapshoot, yeah, and they're calling yeah. it science. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, heck, it, I could do that. Am I a scientist? In my opinion, you are, sir. <laughs> yes definitely definitely but i mean yeah, uh, yeah. yeah crazy crazy stuff uh let's see if we got any more questions from chat here um anything uh anything that you think we should know about bigfoot that uh maybe we haven't heard before how about that i think that's probably a good uh, good line here well i mean that you haven't heard before i mean first of all it depends what you have heard yeah that's true that's true but uh, how about but, how about not just me because me i've heard more than the average bear haha <laughs> but you uh let's say the general person out there that maybe uh, maybe they may not realize uh you know they, they they probably roll their eyes about bigfoot what's something that they, the average person might not know that they probably should know about these things well, I think that uh, what anybody should know about Bigfoot is that, in my opinion, they are a predator. 
and if you take them lightly or, or put yourself in situations where they may prevail upon you, you're going to end up on the short end of the stick and quit. I mean, you're not going to know what hit you like a bat flying out of an alley and cracking you across the head on the sidewalk. It, it's going to be over that quick. So don't think uh, you're going to be the next in investigator uh, marching around in the woods at night with a headlamp on. Uh, <laughs> I would strongly uh, advise anybody, do not do that. I mean, I, if I went out in the daytime looking for one of these things, I'll tell you right now, pump-action shotgun, large-bore handgun on my side, and a huge blade for possibly a last stand <laughs> if none of the aforementioned uh, stopped working. Uh, that sounds prepared. You're, you're a man after my own heart. That's exactly what I would think if you're out there in the woods looking to, in, a, in a spot where you might get confronted by something like this. I yeah, find, it, I find it hilarious that you brought up the uh, the headlamp in the middle of the night looking for a Bigfoot, like some of these yeah. goofball TV shows. I'm sure you've seen some of this stuff, right? I, I have seen them. And by the way, I don't think some of these people are goofballs. I think they're uh, uh, well-intended I think some of them are actually doing investigations, but to the extent that they are in uh, danger, like it's nobody's business doing what they're doing the way they're doing it. Now, if I talk to them about that, they'd have a different opinion about that entirely. Like, you know, they're friendly, uh, they're not looking to do anybody any harm. I mean, all you have to be is hungry, and the meal walks by you. <laughs> I mean, yes. that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Agreed. It doesn't matter what your intent is at that point, whether he was friendly yesterday. I don't know what happened to Bill. He was so nice yesterday at dinner. <laughs> and today, he just ripped my head off. I don't understand it. Right, exactly. You know, it's just stupid. Come on, man. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, so the reason I, uh, so I don't, clearly I don't mean when I say the goofball TV shows. I just mean that there's a lot of people uh, kind of sensationalizing it and turning it into a bunch of things that it's not. You know, like because uh, let's be honest, do you really think putting on a headlamp and going out in the middle of the night looking for Bigfoot you're going to find one? You know what I mean? You yeah, can see you coming maybe, a mile away. Yeah, maybe. Uh, from some of the accounts I have and some recent ones, uh, they seem to be attracted uh, to people's doings in the woods. Uh, you know, they see a fire lit, they want to come home and say, hey, what's that? You know, or the food attracts them, you know. Uh, mechanical things, uh, as in your grandfather's report about the, the noise and the machinery, I mean, that draws them in to a certain degree, you know. Yeah, maybe. And then the question is, what are they going to do once they're drawn in? You know, or is it nicey-nice or the barrels start flying? You know what I mean? It's uh, It seems to go one way or the other, you know, but everybody seems to be freaked out by them. Uh, you hear the, again and again and again uh, feelings of dread, feelings of fear, feeling that my life is in danger. We just heard that from the doctor. I had a feeling went through me like a lightning bolt from head to toe. I felt that I might even lose my life. That's what he said. Just from uh, being watched, 
This uh, this he, he doesn't know what yeah. it is. It's yeah. a, it's, he's a hunter. Yeah. He's got a freaking half a million dollars worth of uh, weapons at his home, and he sells them all because he doesn't want to have them or do anything anymore. That's crazy. That is crazy. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, you know, I agree with you. That there's, there's a lot of dangerous things out there that people just, uh, again, don't take seriously. And I think uh, they probably, take lightly. Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay, so uh, I want to be respectful of your time, so I don't want to go over here uh, just looking at the clock. So we got about, let's say, 15 minutes left. Is there a, a, maybe one more story you want to tell, and then we'll finish this up? All right, here's one that's going to, uh, as if what I haven't said already hasn't blown your mind. Uh, what am I going to do here? Boy, I got some stuff here that freaking rock you. Uh, all right, here's, here's where I'm going. So if you want to think that Bigfoot is to be trifled with, uh, listen to this and what it took to take the animal down. The following account was told to me by Edward Seuss, a resident of the state of Oregon. This is what Edward encountered when hunting in northern Oregon in the fall of 03. As I told you when we first spoke, Bill, I was hunting solo October 1st, 2003, working my way up through the Willamette National Forest and nearing the fringes of the Three Sisters Wilderness. I was breaking out of some fairly heavy timber and coming into an area where I was faced with low mountainous terrain on three sides. To my northeast, there was a very distinct ridgeline sloping down from a peak that was in view directly in front of me. As I was making my way through the timber and it was beginning to thin out, I noticed what appeared to be first a big pile of branches heaped up between several large trees. It appeared to be shaped like a dome from a distance being about 12 feet tall or so. This was an extremely unusual thing to run across, and I had never seen anything like it in all my days hunting. So quite naturally, I went over to investigate it more closely. Nearing this structure, it very much resembled a roughly built Quonset hut. It had a large opening in one side of it. Immediately, I could tell that the structure had been assembled and did not occur randomly by some act of nature. First of all, the nature of the forest, which was predominantly large pines in the area, did not lend itself to a large quantity of fallen branches being on the ground. And in particular, a pile of branches falling together to form a 12-foot-tall heap below the trees. Now looking through the opening, which was about 6 feet tall and 4 feet wide, I could see now other tree boughs, which were laid out covering the interior of the hut, about two feet deep on the bottom. And there were more than a few animal bones scattered about the interior as well. I have to tell you, I was more than a little bit puzzled by what I was seeing. My initial thoughts being that some hunter or hunters had gone to quite a bit of trouble to put this together as a shelter when in the area. But that thought was trumped by that of the bones inside. It's not as though there are cavemen living in here gnawing on dinosaur legs in the confines of their hut. I stepped back 
withdrawing my head from inside of the hut when for whatever reason I felt as though I was being watched. Call it intuition, sixth sense, call it whatever you want. I felt like a pair of eyes were burning a hole through my flesh. I was hunting that day with a vintage M1 carbine with a clip. As this feeling of being watched was now overwhelming my senses, I started to scan the surrounding area. When my eyes were drawn to something dark on the ridgeline, which I told you about earlier. Whatever this thing was I was now seeing was not on the ridge earlier. The distance was far too great to estimate how tall or what in fact it was, but in my estimation at the time, it was certainly something standing upright and all black. My first thought was that of a hunter dressed in dark clothing who happened to be walking the ridge and noticed me below, stopping to have a look at his fellow hunter. But this was about to change and change dramatically. Suddenly and without warning, this man or whatever it was broke from his position on the ridge and began running down the slope heading in my direction. Now this ridge had to have been several thousand feet in elevation, and it was fairly, fairly clear of any brush or trees. Exactly how far it was from my position also was an undetermined quantity. I realized within the first 15 seconds or so that there was absolutely no way this was a man. I say this because of the amount of ground that was being covered and how quickly, as it was now running down the slope. In 30 seconds time, it must have descended a thousand feet and was closing rapidly. I was now fully aware that this was not and could not be a man. If I was to descend the same slope, I would have to do so slowly and cautiously, and it would more than likely take me a half an hour or more. Within about 90 seconds, this creature, which I was now convinced was a Sasquatch, was now at the base of the mountain and running straight at me. At the time, I estimated the distance to be between six and 900 yards between myself and the mountain's base. I had no scope on my gun, and this thing was now coming straight towards me like a freight train. I had an eight-round clip in my rifle, and I lowered the gun, pointing it at the head of the oncoming beast squeezing off my first round at great distance. The shot rang out with a loud blast echoing against the mountains, and the beast kept coming. It was close enough now where I could see movements of the arms. Do you remember the scene in Terminator when the cop was chasing the car or whatever that thing was? He was running with his arms pumping at an incredible and unrelenting pace. This is exactly what I was seeing. I now knew that if I didn't kill this thing, that I was a dead man. Putting the sight right on him, I squeezed off rounds two and three, and he kept coming. 
I couldn't believe what was happening. And I began to tremble violently. I had five rounds left, being sure that I had hit him with the last two, which had no effect whatsoever. He kept running, and I leaned against a tree, steadying my shaking hands and gun, and squeezed off round four. Nothing. He was now at maybe a hundred yards, and in the moment I could now make out the details of his body. And as I pulled the trigger on bullet number five, he dropped to the ground. I took the opportunity to reload quickly as this beast lay unmoving out before me. Having done so, I slowly began approaching the monster with my gun mounted and pointed directly at it. I was stalking it like a marine approaching a foxhole, expecting it to rise to its feet at any moment and resume its attack. When I was within about 100 feet, I put two more rounds into it and finished the job. Within about 20 feet of the monster, it was unmoving, very much dead, and I fell to my knees. Both physically and mentally, I felt as though I had just finished a marathon, my body being completely drained of energy, and tears started to roll down my cheeks. For whatever reason, I don't know. As it now lay before me, the Sasquatch was, say, 10 feet long and possibly 1,500 pounds or greater. Its fur was soaked in blood, and there was blood trickling from its mouth. How it could have kept such a pace, having been hit so many times, is beyond belief. I was quite sure that three of the rounds had hit it in the chest, with the fifth bullet finishing the job. If I had brought my bolt action that day, I don't believe I'd be alive. This hut that I had run across had obviously belonged to the creature, and it was none too happy about my being there. The way it was running to me appeared as though it was on a kill and destroy mission, and I wasn't going to waste any time waiting to be on the receiving end. Being somewhat afraid at the time of potential repercussions for my actions that day, I left the beast right where it dropped and retreated back out of the woods. I wasn't about to wait around for the immediate family to arrive with vengeance on its mind. The beast, as it lay before me, was covered in dark brown hair. Its face did not look human or like that of a monkey. It simply looked like that of a Sasquatch. To me, it is not a hybrid anything. It is its own entity, being completely and solely what it is and nothing else. At any rate, that is what I both saw and shot that day in the Oregon wilderness. That's crazy. There you have it. That's crazy. So we have, that's actually, oddly enough, that's not the first account I've heard of people claiming they've uh, shot and put down a Bigfoot. But like, but like they said in the story there, uh, I think rightly so, uh, who knows, like we don't know anything about these things. 
And if that happened to you, are you going to stick around? Not me, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here. I'm out of there. Like, uh, even though, you know, like, like the guys with the lights on their head may be like, look, look. <laughs> they're wait, they're basically yeah. uh, going to get eaten now by uh, by mama that comes by or something, you know? <clears throat> yeah, well, you know how the... Uh you know how the grizzly mamas do their work? They sh- shoot the babies up in the tree, and then they come back to get you. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually just saw this uh, <laughs> crazy. that, that they, It went viral. There was this video of this cougar that uh, this guy was just walking down a trail. I don't know if you saw this. This was maybe a couple months ago. But he comes around a corner, and he sees what he appear to be kittens. And he's like, what the heck? You know, like out here in the, on the trail. He's like the bike, on a bike trail. So he starts walking up to these kittens. And then goes, oh, crap, because he realizes what they are. And then sure enough, guess who shows up? Mama. And yep. uh, chases him down the trail, and he's freaking out. He's, he's recording the entire thing. And mom chases him, oh, I don't know, almost a mile maybe, like three-quarters of a mile away, something like that. And she's making noises and sounds and, like, hissing and coming at him. And, oh, my goodness gracious. And that's, and that's a cougar. That, you know, I mean, that's oh. that, that'll kill you, too. But I mean, yeah. we're not even talking like a, a Bigfoot's going to be 10 cougars, right? It's got to be 10, yeah. or, 10 or more. Yeah, that's crazy stuff. Crazy. Well, stuff. think of what the doctor just reported, the skull injuries to this victim. Yeah. Yeah. He said that the entire face was compressed within five inches of the skull, like a block of iron had been punched through the face. Think about that. That's crazy. That's I mean, I could I could wind up with a 36-inch Louisville Slugger and crack you in your face full on, and nothing like that is going to happen to you. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, uh, again, some of these accounts are chilling, you know, like uh, the people... Uh, People out there going missing, and uh, I think uh, I think we have to consider consider uh, Bigfoot and um, the predatory. Not so happy you're in their territory, Bigfoot, as a possibility for a lot of this stuff. Um, crazy, yeah. crazy. Uh, you are amazing, my man. This is this has been way too much fun for me. I, I'm uh, I'm so glad. One actually, one of our listeners uh, recommended you and said that uh, he listened to your podcast and said that you said on your podcast you would come on any other any anybody else's. And so I contacted you. He told me to contact you and here we are so i can't thank you enough man this has been so much fun um before before we go just one final thing i want to ask you here yeah uh, the uh patterson gimlin we said so is clearly probably the holy grail of bigfoot uh, uh evidence right have you seen anything even close in your time looking at these uh, i've seen i've seen some stuff that's clearly fake but have you seen anything that uh, maybe would be worth looking into uh, for folks that are interested in learning more about this that uh, is maybe convincing? Uh, uh, nothing along the lines of that type of film footage. But I'll tell you another little piece uh, that I was thoroughly impressed by. Look up the Craven Bigfoot footage, Alberta, Canada. Okay. Okay. Will do. Very short clip uh, of a creature moving along a depressed roadside, broad daylight, dirt road, Alberta, Canada. Very short clip. Uh, I was super impressed uh, with my background in the same way I scrutinized the Patty flick. 
that this tough as nails little bastard was a Bigfoot, and they caught it. And it, when you look at this thing, it looks like Mighty Joe Young, and you only see it for about 10 seconds dashing along next to the road, and then it just throws its arm out like it found the area it wanted to cut into and uh, disappeared. That was a very impressive short piece of video evidence uh, that I saw a while ago. Craven, like C-R-A-V-E-N. Okay, I put it in the chat. Like Ra- so I, Raven, so Raven with a C. Craven, Bigfoot, uh, Alberta, I think, something like that. Okay, okay. Uh, there are things, we've seen some really interesting footage uh, in the swamps in Florida. Uh, we saw uh, uh, some creatures filmed by going into the trunks of some trees. Uh, some really interesting stuff that I think is legit. Uh, the the thing that the Patty film brings is the amount of time and the sunlight beating down on that creature in that spot was perfect. And uh, maybe... You know, there'll be room for some of that down the road. But I'll tell you what, Mike, the personal testimonies, film or no film, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Incredible. I agree 100%. Um, I think yeah. uh, I think tonight you got some new fans, most of all me. Yeah, you, you are not only a great storyteller. Like I said, I, I do believe you're doing God's work uh, collecting some of these stories down and uh, preserving them. We need this. And you are... One hell of a fun dude. Man, I wish we lived closer. I owe you a beer. I owe you a beer for sure. Well, listen, the pleasure's mine. And uh, what you hear is what you get. This is who I am and what I do. And uh, I've just brought this into my world, and now I embrace it. I'm so glad uh, because of all the people I meet and the uh, tales told. And, uh, you know, I just like real people, Mike. I don't like BS. I don't like bunk. I don't like pretenders. Uh, You know, I'm just a real guy uh, who likes to smoke a cigar once in a while and uh, (laughs) talk big talk bigfoot talk bigfoot heck yeah more of that old school sensibility uh we need more of that back in this world uh you were the best one more time guys this is wj sheehan he uh, he has a podcast with his brother called the bigfoot terror in the woods that's the podcast his brother is kj sheehan uh they do some fantastic work clearly if you're here listening if you weren't uh you know uh, falling asleep i really doubt you were because some of these stories are fantastic and so uh again we can get your books right there on the website bigfoot terror in the woods.com yeah, there's links there, and uh, we're trying to do our best keeping up with it. It's, the website is still kind of like a work in progress, and it's not bad. I mean, you've been on there, Mike, uh, but, like, we don't sell merchandise or anything like that. There's links on there. There's uh, clips, uh, uh, links to the episodes. And then, of course, you could always, we hope you join us and listen in. You could always go to Amazon and just pop in Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters, and um, Audible and iTunes and, you know, yada, yada, yada. We're all over the place.
You got it. You got it. There you go, guys. Uh, do uh, do follow them. Do uh, do download the podcast. Tell, spread the word. This is how things grow. You uh, you you get on shows like this, and you expose yourself to new audiences. And like I said, I think you made at least a few fans tonight. And uh, <laughs> you, you're amazing, my friend. Uh, I will take you up. We need you back on this show at some point. Can you do me a really big favor? Sure. If you decide to publish that map, can you uh, can you let me know? And uh, we'd love to have you on and talk about that. Yeah, well, when I say publish it, really all I'm going to do is post a couple of uh, photographs of segments of it, like on the website. Good enough for me. That's a, that, yeah. that counts. That counts. So you know what you do if you just pop in once in a while. I'm not sure exactly when I'll get around to it. It's like I have this list of things that hangs around me, you know, and I keep looking at things and say, someday I'm going to paint that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You and me both. Someday, I'm, you know, I'm going to do the wheel bearings. My, uh, my wife yeah. will give you a longer list than I have in mind, but yeah, de- yeah. definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. There's, al- there's always projects and uh, there seems to be any number of things to interfere with my sitting down for a little while, uh, which, you know, I need to do at this age. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I, I so. definitely feel you. Okay, um, like I said, man, uh, you've got some fans. I will keep an eye on the website then. So if you, uh, if you, if that map ends up on the website, I'll keep an eye on you. I will be in contact, and please come back if you get some new information. You are always welcome here. Um, I consider you a friend. You are an amazing dude. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks much to you and the feelings are mutual, and thanks to your audience for uh, putting up with me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Enthralled <laughs> with every word. You're the best, man. We'll get your brother on here next time. Uh, God bless. Stay safe. Uh, stay out of the Bigfoot territory. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Okay, man. You take care. <laughs> thanks a lot, man. You too. Uh, there you go, guys. There you go. That's uh, that's W.J. Sheehan. Uh, amazing, right? Like, how good was that? That guy was incredible. And uh, thank you. Uh, I can't remember who actually recommended this guy, but uh, this is uh, this is the type of stuff we need. Um, so uh, I'm going to apologize uh, to everybody that was here in the beginning of this. Like I said, I knew it was going to be a little bit of a train wreck with the, uh, the commercials and stuff just because I didn't know how it works. So uh, trust me, we'll get this ironed out so that uh, if you're listening to our live stream on YouTube and Facebook and the rest of this, you won't have to hear those commercials, okay? So I'll be able to uh, kind of turn off my mic uh, to that stream and then talk to you guys during uh, the commercial on this stream, right? So we're going to get that worked out. So uh, please don't hold that against us. Uh, Just a technical issue at this point. And we were using Skype tonight and I've never, ever, ever use Skype. So it, it, it just kind of threw like a monkey wrench in the system here. So, so that's what's going on. And, um, like I said, stick with us and, uh, Dolly kill, Dolly kill, kill. What's up? That's you. What's up, William? I didn't even know you were the same person. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. See, uh, that's the type of stuff we need. Thank you for recommending him. Uh, thanks. Thanks for hanging out and listening to this. This was a, again, I, I this is a kid in a candy store for me listening to guys like this and, uh, just tell, telling the stories, right? Just tell, telling the stories, man. Uh, what a lot of fun. So, so as you guys know, we're doing Fringe FM four nights a week now, Tuesday through Friday. So that means you're going to get troubled nights. Uh, sorry, <laughs> troubled minds four nights a week, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get it uh, dialed in. So, so please, like I said, don't hold it against me. It's not going to be get the tea commercials in your face constantly if you're here on our live stream. So, uh, allow me to get that figured out. Uh, I figure sometime this week, hopefully by tomorrow, we can start taking phone calls again, and then uh, get this to where we can kind of trim out some of the um, the commercial stuff. So, so uh, yeah, so. so there's a problem, right? So here's, here's what the problem is. Just so you know, do you guys care about the technical difficulties? So I have a soundboard 
and the soundboard you play I play the commercial that goes out to the feed to the to the actual radio station but see because I do that uh, I can't really play music and do it well it's running because it'll go out you see what I'm saying so I don't know there's there's some things I'm looking at maybe I'll get a second soundboard or something and, and put uh, different virtual audio cables like I said it's boring details but it's a, it's a pain in the ass to figure out uh, but we'll get it figured out so like I said please don't hold it against me uh, we're just getting started with this uh, the good news is um, we're we're, uh, we're we're a great group of people here and uh, we're getting exposed to uh, a whole new audience so that's a good thing so um, etc so on uh, you guys are the best you know you know what's up let's see if I can play some music that doesn't uh doesn't screw everything up here let's see hold on what are we doing let's play uh this this was the intro i gotta make myself a uh is it actually playing i think it is i gotta make myself a proper radio intro now <laughs> that other one's a little bit weird a little bit old a little bit too long i gotta figure something out uh, again thanks for hanging out guys you know the deal um we're uh, we're just uh, we're here talking about weird stuff, doing our thing, aliens, conspiracy, the paranormal. Uh, we're gonna keep doing it, and um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this has been uh, a lot of fun. Thank you all for all the uh, the enthusiasm. Thanks for showing up on time and being here in chat and uh, spread the word. Let people know that uh, there's a place you can go that. Uh, <laughs> Maybe, uh, maybe not like Cheers, where everybody knows your name, but uh, once in a while you'll hear about, oh, I don't know, Bigfoot or aliens or these types of things. But yeah, that was a blast. If anybody else has uh, uh, things you can uh, you can uh, send to me for folks that um, uh, are other podcasts that uh, are open to being on a show like this, I'd love to hear it because working with that guy was amazing. Um, clearly, he's an entertainer in his own right and uh, a ton of fun. So thanks again to William for sending sending him our way. Uh, and everybody else, thank you, thank you. Thanks for making this worth doing. And um, we'll see you tomorrow night, right? Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. You like this? Tomorrow night. So we'll start with uh, the Fringe FM, 7 p.m. Pacific. So we're changing the time. So we're going to go 7 to 10 instead of 8 to 11. So we're going to be just an hour earlier. And don't worry, we'll, we'll get the details worked out for the technical stuff. So you guys won't have to sit through, get the tea commercials. So uh, thanks again. You guys are amazing. Much love. Be safe out there. We'll see you tomorrow night. Tomorrow afternoon on Twitch too. That's that's back on. That's still on. So there you go. You're, you're gonna be sick of me. You'll see. Have a great night, guys. See you tomorrow.